0: Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your
1: host, Tony Reed.
2: And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 4th of February, year of our Lord 2020. Going a day early, you had enough information. Today we're going to cover the Super Bowl, the best commercials, and the virtue signaling, and liberals trying to ruin the Super Bowl, because that's what they do. Some more impeachment coverage, this is coming to an end, and news and social media nuggets. So, what a game. I was pretty happy. Um, I literally tuned in and out all night, because once again, these aren't my people's. Now, those aren't my teams, but what a comeback. It is amazing that Kansas City seems to have to be losing to please to actually play well. So, that's an interesting concept. But it's really great to see a team that hasn't won it in 50 years win. It reminds me of the Packers in 96. You know, last time they won one was 68. So, it had been 30 years, and they finally won one. Um, so, good for Kansas City. For them, it was such a huge thing that literally the celebration post-Super Bowl, because their power and light company had been throwing a free party, it was a huge viewing party. Folks, it came up on radar. There were that many people there. It looked like, you know, a storm. <laughs> I saw an article on it, and I went, wow, that's a lot of people. So... We're going to get right into it. I want to play the best one right up front. Um, then we'll just play kind of a montage of virtue singling stuff that they had to do because it is what it is. And then, of course, we're going to cover the uh, Super Bowl halftime show, or what I like to say, stripper time during family TV. I just don't understand it. Um, but once again, because they're people of color, they're women, there was some cultural stuff that you're just a piece of shit. If you, you didn't like it, it's it's the same old stuff. Liberals ruin everything. So let's go straight in to the commercial. The first commercial, the NFL 100, all the way into the Super Bowl stadium. My wife, who hates football, said that was the coolest thing she'd ever seen. And it sounded like this.
3: Take it to the house, kid.
0: Where's he going? Take it to the house, kid. Go, little
4: help. Thank you. Take it to the house, kid.
5: These boys always trying to show off. Let them get their little shot. Hey guys! Take it to the house, kid.
2: Hey, take it to the house, kid. Take those to the car.
3: Give him a tip, will you, Joe? Yeah, give him a tip, all right.
6: Hey, sister. Take it to the house! Hey, nice. Sorry, Lynn.
2: Break that down uh, in our, we'll do it at the end of the videos. I'm still trying to download the worst thing I heard yesterday. I was going to make it This Is America, but I want to keep it up front because it's going to be, you know, two and a half hours later and it won't make the point. But Dan Levitard, what he said about that commercial just sums up the left because Dan Levitard's a gigantic liberal and... It's fucking horrible, so we'll get to it. There was, of course, the Brady commercial. I was going to play it. I'm not going to. Everybody knows if you were anywhere around a fucking TV set or a sports freaking app like I am. Well, everybody was freaking out because he said he's... Showed a picture on his Twitter account of him walking out and everybody's debating because now, you know, we're out of real sports. We're into basketball, which sucks. Nobody really gets into because it's the same teams all the time. So you don't watch the playoffs and college is all great, but you really wait for the, the, uh, the fucking, the tournament, you know, your bracketology and all that crap. And then there are some people that get into NASCAR. I used to till Dale Earnhardt died. So, you know, we're in the, the lean times until we get back into August. You know, we're six months away from literally having a football back. So we make up all this shit. So people think Brady's going to leave and they're not going to pay him. And so that was the big deal. But there was virtue singling. There's a bunch of virtue singling. It had to happen. So let's just play... uh Three virtue. Well, you know what? There it is. There it is. Here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna play what Dan Lebetard said. I have tried to download this five times. So here is what Dan Lebetard said about the Pat Tillman part of the NFL 100 video.
7: I thought the NFL 100 Years commercial was the best one at the beginning, where the kid running through taking well, the wanted, house. I
5: wanted to ask you guys it was something. Bumps. So I, cool, yeah. Okay, I wanted to ask you guys something about that though, I because that commercial. Was very cool and it's well done. And when they, whenever the NFL goes into its past and gets all of the limping warriors, and you saw Earl Campbell, his body doesn't move right. You're, you're seeing Don Shula in a wheelchair. Like you're, you're seeing what the aging does to these guys as they're celebrating. They're introducing you to all of them. They're top 100 players. They had so many of them on the field, and then they do this commercial. And I'm, I, I'm legitimately asking the audience here because I don't know. If my reaction was the wrong one, because I had a recoil in the middle of that commercial as they're going through all the greats and everything else. And they stop at Pat Tillman and they take that particular death, him leaving football when he wasn't one of the greats of football. He was somebody who made one of the uh, most unique decisions we've ever seen to leave the top of the sport and go fight in a war where he was killed by friendly fire. And I'm like, not in a commercial, not. I get what you're trying to do. You're Not don't sell me that. Like don't don't sell me that wrapped in flags. And I'm wondering whether others, because for me it ruined the commercial. The it the, the commercial I thought was exceptional, and then in the middle of it they drawed it. They 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 tried to lure us in with that, and it made it it it, it was off putting to me to see that commercialized. Because what I remember is uh, Pat Tillman's uh, brother at the funeral drinking and just berating the audience don't tell me he's in a better place don't tell me about how he's closer to god don't tell like he's having a drink at the funeral because they've lost a loved one and we're sitting there wrapping that in the flag it made me uncomfortable
3: i i I think it's a it's
2: first one is female football players second one is how hard it is for inner city youths. and then the last one literally typical americans They didn't show any conservative shit. They had those fucking women's soccer players. Yeah. That was in the dead center of that. There's no Bible Belt people on there. It's just, they're not gonna show that. Then there was the Google one. You know, Google does steal all my data. Google's listening to me right now and I can actually put data, Google stealing would come up and autocomplete because that's just what this, you know, what they are. They are big brother. But I thought the ad was good.
3: Google, show me photos of that. <laughs> Remember Loretta, my mustache. <laughs> Remember, to love going to Alaska and
0: scallops. Show me photos from Mercery. Remember she always snorted laugh. Play our favorite movie.
4: remember i'm the man
2: in the world come on boy yeah i hit record and realized there's no audio in that <laughs> it's probably pretty bad one of my favorites was hyundai which i thought was funny with rachel Dratch. uh And the guy that, you know, from The Office, who I just think, you know, he's done so many good military movies. He's not the same guy anymore. So, pack the car.
8: Look at this guy. Hey, Rachel, how are you?
9: Hey, good. How are you?
7: He's not getting that car in there.
9: No, sir.
7: Look at these two troublemakers. Hey, Johnny, how are you?
9: Wicked car. Is that new?
7: Yeah, it's a Sonata. Let me pack it. Oh, you're not fitting your car in there. Chris, stop being a smarty fence, all right? Look who's got Smart Pack.
9: Smart Pack?
7: Just hit the clicker. Car packs
10: itself. It's smart. It's wicked. Smart. And I can pack it anywhere.
9: How about Dorchester?
10: Packed it. Foxboro?
7: Packed it. The Garden? Packed it. Doggis? Packed
9: it. Swamp Scrap? Revere? The Harbor?
7: Are you kidding me? I packed it and then unpacked it. You unpacked it? Kid. Game changer. That Sonata
11: ain't got no driver. That's all right. He's got Smart Pack. Hey, look at him packed there. He's got Smart Pack! Hey, whoa, whoa, it's Big Bobby. Wicked Smart
9: this is a ghost car.
8: A better way to park. Only available on the all-new Sonata with remote smart parking assist.
7: Sorry about that, you bigness. Did you guys know he lived there?
8: I had no idea. So, to
2: speed it up and just get to the negative, because that's what my show's about, <laughs> um... The Jimmy Fallon one was great. The Cheetos with MC Hammer. The Doritos with the long, uh, going, uh, take my horse to the Old Town Road. Man, when that dude's beard or uh, mustache did the wave, I thought it was funny as shit. I was going to play Ari, I'm not. The Take 5 one was hilarious with the guy ending up at the end with his head up his ass. Facebook groups. I really thought that was a cute commercial because those are all real groups. I actually looked them up and the rock skipping was just hilarious then there was probably probably the best I mean the NFL 100's good but that Bill Murray Jeep commercial come on that was some good ass shit
12: swing it up over your head through your legs thrust your pelvis engage the glutes
2: we should go
11: Working out sucks. Come on man, you just gotta see the lighter side of
13: this. Side of there, side of this. Oh!
11: This is it, this is how I die.
9: Y'all ready for this? Uh.
14: Yeah. Yeah. Still got it, Jimmy!
9: Cross
13: my oh. ah! So proud I can squat you. I feel great.
15: <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm
9: cold.
8: Wait,
14: I can't touch cold. Hmm 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 hmm
9: Make your move, cowboy. I got the horses in the back. Or stock is a t-
14: Who got
3: next?
2: New Doritos Cool Ranch just got cooler.
3: Hi, ain't dancing. Mmm. What's that?
1: Reese's Take Five Bar.
6: Chocolate, peanuts, caramel, peanut butter, pretzels. Never heard of it. Where have you been? Under a rock? <laughs> Do it to me. What were you, born yesterday?
16: Really, Trish?
6: Me neither. Were you raised by wolves? Really insensitive, Trish. Are you clueless? Head in the sand? That's offensive, Trish.
4: Yeah, Trish.
6: You from another planet?
10: I never heard of Take 5, neither. Again!
2: (laughs) Oh, Trish, none of us have heard of Take 5. So who looks stupid now?
11: Reese's Take 5, the best bar you've never heard of.
17: Oh Oh no! Phil? Oh, no.
3: Hey, Phil? No, not you. It's me, man. Ryerson. Okay, little fella. Good
9: job.
14: That's different. Good
10: job. Hey! He got the groundhog! home!
5: Phil? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're gonna preach to death. Who cares? See you tomorrow. Safety
0: first. It's
17: not personal. It's just a game.
3: Not a bad day, huh?
14: I don't know where we parked. I was following you.
2: We got another couple at the end because there's a Trump and a NRA one, which I thought was really good because. It, of course, didn't get on the air. It it went online to bash Bloomberg. Because if you notice, it's okay to do all the other ones. You can have the gay shit. You can have all black people are treated like shit. You can have all the liberal causes. And I don't think that Fox TV or the NFL does it because they're all down with every one of these liberal causes. I think it has more to do with they're scared to death of it they don't. The only people they rejected was PETA on the left. Because the com- commercial was about kneeling animals. I can't play it, but that's what the commercial was. It was really fucking stupid. So let's go to the halftime. Jeb Bush, best Super Bowl halftime show ever. That's why you didn't get elected, Jeb. I'm just throwing it out there, buddy. Did Je- Jeb like J-Lo's crab gro- uh, crotch grabbing? Tom Sullivan, good, clean family fun. Check out the form on J-Lo's power slide. Her pole dance, Alyssa Bailey. Okay, J-Lo doing a pole dance in the middle of her Super Bowl halftime performance is the greatest homage to hustlers. Lowe rubs crotch, dances on stripper pole during Super Bowl halftime. These are articles by non-conservative sites. An already sex-charged Super Bowl halftime performance, J.Lo lo took it up a notch, rubbing her crotch area, then performing on a stripper pole. The dance... Came during early in her four-song medley while performing Waiting for Tonight, J-Lo slid across the stage toward a waiting camera while moving her fingers across her crotch. A strooper pole then erected on stage, and J-Lo danced above her backup singers. At one point during the pole dance, J-Lo's arms extended to what appeared to be reference to the crucifix. Comments about the sexualized nature of the Super Bowl performance began during Shakira's opening act. Raymond Arroyo. That's a Latina. My 16 year old just now, the Super Bowl is the only time of the year when it is socially acceptable to watch half naked women with your family. Arroyo appeared in a weekly culture segment on Fox News. The Ingram angle followed up. We went from Ella Fitzgerald to JLo on a poll, and this is cultural growth. The website Breibart compiled the most sexualized moments. Did you see this? So, and then came what everybody came to see all the pictures of their asses. Shaking their asses, which were not even partially covered. They were in you know, I'm not a prude, I'm just saying it's a family event, but just like Macy's with the gay shit during the Christmas parade, we're gonna have naked women wearing thongs that are basically floss. Then yeah, they're wearing nylons or fishing in or whatever, shaking their ass. But the tongue thing by J Lo. We'll get to in a second was disturbing. If mean, you watched it, it was actually disturbing. Another article, Super Bowl halftime show with sexual exploitation. Franklin Graham says, but it wasn't just Franklin Graham. There was a lot of people online talking about this. Uh, future cancer by Associated Press. Did this article. Super Bowl Halftime show Sunday has been largely positive with critics calling it show-stopping and flat on electric, but some viewers are questioning the message the NFL was sending millions of young fans. Among the critics is conservative evangelist Franklin Graham, who said the show's sexual gyration is stripper pole centerpiece left him disappointed in the NFL and Pepsi. I don't expect the world to act like a church, but our country has had a sense of moral decency on primetime television in order to protect children. We see that disappearing before our eyes, he said. Of women, is uh, another one, sexual exploitation of women is okay with the exploitation of women on the rise worldwide. Instead of lowering the standard, we as a society should be raising it. Lady Gaga, this is what the Associated Press used to defend it. Lady Gaga, who walks around naked with meat dresses. J-Lo, Shakira, and all the special guests were so incredible. What a fun halftime show. I danced and smiled the whole time. Such powerful, sexy women on camera and off. Love you, beautiful, sexy, talented women. The halftime show starred Lopez and Shakira, both known for the urban and Latin dance. Critics have largely praised the show with Entertainment Weekly reporting. The NFL at least partially redeemed itself for last year's stale, flatline Super Bowl halftime show. Variety praised it as 14 minutes of pure frenzy with a bounty of booty mania. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Uh, Mo Mo, is there, uh, Mo Ratley, we cover on the show all the time. Is there a middle ground between the Super Bowl halftime show was literally sex trafficking and it's the most empowering thing for women I've seen and I'm thrilled I was watching it with my 10-year-old son? Because that's where I am. Some labeled it disgusting and vulgar and called the performance Satan's Dance Troupe. Super Bowl is supposed to be a family-friendly event. The halftime show was a snapshot view of how low the moral compass of our country has dropped, posted BD's Swear. Shame on the NFL and Pepsi. Stop buying Pepsi product now, said Lewis Floyd. A lot of people were saying that. It's not going to change. They're still going to sell their Pepsi. We turned off the halftime show. There was no redeeming value, wrote Kathy Buck. However, a few people pointed out the male singer Adam Levine appeared shirtless. Everyone was perfectly okay with it. And the cheerleaders literally wore less clothing, Nefty Duran wrote. With all things going on in the world, you were complaining about a halftime show, wrote Linda Burkhart. And there was a lot of, but you guys voted for Trump. A lot of articles on the internet can't stop talking about Shakira's Super Bowl facial expressions. This is the New York, the USA Today and they initially, just like Twitter, let people make fun of her tongue thing. But oh no, we'll see. The woke scolds came out. It was one person and it got pushed by Twitter and became viral. Lopez, wild audience, blah, blah, blah. But the internet can't stop talking about one thing Shakira did. It wasn't with her lips. It was with her tongue. The 43-year-old Colombian Lebanese singer opened the halftime show with a medley of her hits, including She-Wolf, Whenever, Wherever, Hips Don't Lie. She leaned into the camera and wiggled her tongue on camera. One Twitter user questioned the choice asking the halftime show. was really great and all, but why did Shakira do this? One sassy user, literally the only thing Shakira did live was her tongue. Other people are actually fans of tongue thing. One person tweeted, I'm going to be doing that Shakira tongue thing randomly now without hesitation. uh, I don't know what Shakira just did there, but I'm for it. Some pointed out the moment was referencing Shakira's Middle Eastern heritage. Bobo Tatarevich. This is called the Zagaruta. It is a way to express joy or happiness in the Arab culture. Elements of it can also be found in other cultures, even as far back as is the Balkans. The moment already became a meme by Sunday night with many Twitter using the viral to crack jokes. Super Bowl producers talking to Kirk, Shakira and JLo. We need one of you to do something so we can make a memorable meme. Shakira, say no more. Tweet the leader. Me returning to the party pretending everything is silly and cool and having a nervous breakdown in the bathroom. Shakira. But that was crushed when they got a hold of Daniel Gehijar. An Arab dude. You really have to understand how huge Shakira's performance was for Middle Eastern community. She had belly dancing, a Mizwiz, a Derberke, performed Ojas Asi, which is one of the few Shakira songs that have Arabic in it, did a Zajaruta, all love on the big stage. Shakira, we all, we had, was all we had for the longest time. Every Middle Eastern American, especially the Lebanese, pointed Shakira as a one entertainer with massive global appeal and popularity to have our culture and our rhythms presented up there even in the smallest way, is massive. They made it a Twitter moment, and the memes went away. I am sure people went and removed their tweets because they were shamed and making fun of something. The problem was there were plenty of liberal Arab women saying, yeah, that doesn't represent us. Half-naked women with no modesty that is not the, what the Zira ra is. They do that after suicide bombers blow people up. They do that when America gets attacked. That's what the Zira Gaduta, that's the joy they speak of, not booty shaking on the Super Bowl. You've all heard or seen the wailing and gnashing of Palestinians, or when they're celebrating America getting attacked, as was filmed after 9 11. And it's a, yeah, that's the zero, jibba, jibba. It's not a cultural thing. They do it when they are happy that America gets attacked, folks. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Jay-Z was what the NFL used to set up that fucking pornographic show, which is cool, but you should put a warning I mean, we've come from accidentally showing a boob was terrible to the world to stripper dances and masturbation on a stage. That's okay for your kids, I guess. Jay-Z sitting with Demi Lovato said the National Anthem Super Bowl surfaced online. TMZ posted the video st- Sunday and the celebrity couple sitting along with daughter Blue Ivy at Harvard uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Entertainers AD arrive. blah, blah, blah. He was co-producer, and he refused to stand during it. Well, people don't want to see Jay Z personally ask Demi Lovato, Shakira, and J Lo to perform at the Super Bowl because he believed in their talent. And he wanted to give them a chance to be heard and to represent their cultures to fight against social discrimination. What discrimination is just saying, "Hey, we probably shouldn't have stripper bowls, stripple poles during a Super Bowl." How is that cultural discrimination? Are you saying, and this was a white guy, are you saying that all people of color are horse? Is that what you're saying? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying. And then the one I want to talk about. Exploitation is finest. I had to be half naked to detract from the lip syncing. My Latino family was embarrassed, and the Middle Eastern people I know would never dress like that. They should have had Demi Lovato do the halftime show. She killed it. By the way, I never saw the national anthem. I started recording it. They must have done it early because I never saw her version. So while we're sitting here, let's, uh, let's look up Demi Lovato's national anthem. Demi Lovato national anthem. It was never aired. I taped on a uh, 4K. And I, I never saw it. I saw the coin toss. Here it is. Okay, let's listen to our national anthem.
13: Please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem.
2: Man, all liberals did not. By
13: platinum-selling recording artist Demi Lovato.
2: Okay, that's not it. This is, um, this is a baseball game. National anthem, Super Bowl. Sorry. That's what happens in uh, live TV. Here we go. (laughs) Gotta have ads because it's YouTube. You know, I paid premium and I still had ads. Here we go. Well, I don't see any protesting right now. It's Kansas City side, though. They probably wouldn't because they're from the middle of the country. As we'll find. Oh, they got somebody hand-signaling out. They have a deaf person doing it. That's pretty cool. They showed an airbase in Qatar. Okay, so I had heard she had done a standard job, and it wasn't super long, so good for her. Um, but like I said, it never aired. It didn't air. I never saw it, which was kind of surprising, because you usually see the National Anthem, but they didn't show it um, on the 4K version. Um, as the taping. So I'm assuming they did it in the pregame. I don't know. Uh Then, of course, uh then some libs try to connect the kids and bubbles to Latinos. I wrote that down. That was all over the internet, too. I guess they did a part in the halftime show where there were some kids and bubbles singing um, in America. God bless America or some shit. And there, it was supposed to be to the kids in cages. But we'll see. Bloomberg lied. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, Kaepernick inspired Super Bowl PETA says NFL didn't want you to see. This is a Super Bowl ad, and the NFL apparently didn't want you to see and pressured Fox Sports to snub and envision a world where respect is the right of every being and pays homage to Kaepernick. And like I said, all the flags take a knee. The group released us, or flags, all the animals take a knee, not the flag. PETA is challenging speciesism, which is a supremacist worldview that allows humans to disrespect other living, feeling beings and to treat their interests as unimportant, says PETA President Ingrid Newkirk. Our patriotic Super Bowl spot envisions an America, which no sentiment being has suppressed because of how they look, where they were born, who they love, or what species they are. It sends a message of kindness whether the NFL should embrace, not silent. They tend to shame the network of the NFL backwire fired, however, at the root, for example, Michael Harris' Arnica, PETA's Pet Lives Matter Super Bowl ad is so white, even the NFL is like, come on, son, torn to the ad and the organization. On one hand, PETA gentrifying the movement for social justice by likening the human prejudice of our fur courts, of fur coats, trained circus tigers and ribeyes. Yeah, they actually said that. To the institutional racism that permeates America is despicable, but expected. It's just the next logical leap from Black Lives Matter to white and blue lives matter. We know that whites are always going to white, especially at the Super Bowl. I'm sure somewhere in PETA office, there's someone explaining this is what MLK would have wanted. The Root is so racist, man. I can't even cover it every time. You know, because I don't have, I have like two small stories for everything's racist today. But I just can't do it. I mean, I just, it, being able to write, whites are going to white, is so racist. And it's accepted at the National Broadcasting Company. Because that's their website. They put out the Root. O. V. Kabir I just want to know how someone pitched the idea, got team approval, made the ad, agreed to finish product, submitted to Super Bowl spot, post on Twitter, and no one thought that maybe comparing police brutality on black Americans to eating meat isn't good. Another one. So I'm guessing either no black people work in the marketing department or they don't feel empowered enough to speak up. So there was the, the one ad that got di- dished on the left, which is, you know, what it's going to be. Then, of course, Twitter and company in the New York Times, as we'll see. Everybody rolled out their cultural appropriation. <clears throat> this was a Twitter moment. Tom Opchok, in Knight's discussion about racism ahead of Chiefs' appearance in the Super Bowl, As Kansas City Chiefs' San Francisco 49ers head to Super Bowl on Sunday, debate resurfaces regarding professional sports team and their invocation of Native American names, mascot, and dress. Native American communities and allies are speaking out against the NFL decision. There wasn't a whole lot of speaking out, but of course the left's going to virtue signal because that's what the left does. Kansas City Chiefs' racist arrowhead chop has flown under the radar. Not anymore. Uh, the story is part of a group of stories called First Person Essays and Interviews. It's self-described lifelong Kansas City Chief fans, one asked me the meaning of the words that are sung as the crowd performs the Arrowhead Chop, a Chiefs game, the beloved chant, fan chant made up of a series of literal, oh, 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 oh. they don't mean anything. I told him the, told disgusted and annoyed. Really nothing at all. My face got hot and I could feel my heart beating fast in my chest. Nothing. I repeated, this is one example of uncomfortable situations I deal with as a Acoma Pueblo woman living in the Kansas City area. This year, my city's football team, the Chiefs, will be playing San Francisco in Super Bowl. It has been a 50-year wait for the team, and from the looks of it, they are the favorite to win. Unfortunately, that also means the Arrowhead Chop will be broadcast on millions of screens across the nation, along with fans and headdresses, and all that comes with having a team that is a not name an American mascot. For years, a national conversation around offensive team mascots ...that stereotypes Native American cultures have focused on the Redskins and Indians... ...while the Chiefs Florida the the radar. Not anymore. As an educator at Haskell Indian Nations University... ...the only four-year interview study for federally recognized Native tribes... ...I've done many presentations on the misconceptions about Native American people... ...and the terrible stereotypes that are reinforced by sports mascots like the Chiefs. And every single time it's traumatic to go over the massacres, racism and genocide... carried against the people of indigenous of the country... It also gets exhausting to be digging up stuff from 200 years ago. Okay. In there, she does relay relay it, but doesn't really lay on it that it was about a Boy Scout troop, not the Indians. Then there's this one. This is literally nails on a chalkboard. The chop itself is very demeaning to indigenous people, their story, history, and their continued struggle. If native people tell you that they are offended and that this is racist, then it is the exact opposite of honoring them. When people say it's not a big deal, it is. This is our life. We have to deal with this. And it's stressful. Would other people of color put up with any other stereotype them? No. Two decades of social science research shows native-themed mascots harm indigenous kids. Calling for the retirement of Logos is 2005, but yeah. Your fans dropping up racist costumes is honoring, not your mascot. NBC News Think, Fox.com, today, and New York Times all together on this article. Today on the harm of native mascots, many more cited in other publications. 60 years protesting racism that hurts our kids. Can you hear us, or is it time for another poll to subvert the obvious? Is it offensive, their op-ed, on the day of the Super Bowl, for sports teams and their fans to use Native American names, imagery, and gestures? The Tomahawk Chop, to urge on their beloved team. The Chiefs organization has worked with Native Americans over the past six years to reconsider some of its traditions, including fans dressing in Indian regalia, but the team has shown little appetite preventing its supporters from doing the Tomahawk Chop. This is a huge-ass article. For many fans, a choppin is accompanying of a champ, a pantomimed tomahawk motion, a made-up war cry, also employed by the Braves, Florida State, England's chief, rugby. I mean, everybody's been doing it for fucking ever, no disrespect, it's just to get the crowd hyped, but to many Native Americans, locally and afar, and others, the act is disrespectful. It doesn't show Casey Pride, said Howard Hanna, that chef and owner of Rieger describing his maze as the impromptu chart unfolded in his restaurant. It makes us look stupid. The Chiefs have largely escaped the hottest embers in the nation's debate over America's Indian mascot and imagery and sports. You know, it's not a hot bait. There's no embers, because nobody really gives a fuck except for you liberals. Their name does not evoke slur like the Redskins, and their mascot is not a red-faced character like Chief Wahoo, the logo of the Indians, began phasing out two years ago. The organization has worked with Native Americans for the past six years. Da, 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 da. As an organization, part of our mission is to empower Indian people. So Crozer is a member of the Standing Rock Sioux. And things like the Tomahawk Chop don't empower Indian people. It's still very stereotypical and mocking of an entire race. I'm just going through this as fast as I can. Then it ends with a students. Students, read the article, then tell us. Because I'm just going to cut to the end. Is it offensive for sports teams and their fans use Native American names, imagery, and gestures? Do you think chief fans should end the Tomahawk Chop? See, this is always the indoctrination. Get the kids to go to their parents and go, mommy, and Daddy, you're racist. According to the article, many chief fans said they use the chop to celebrate the team, not to demean Indians. However, Galen Krauser, of the Standing Rock Sioux, argues that it's mocking of an entire race of people. Which viewpoint is more persuasive? Probably the people that are just saying we're getting sci- fired up. Does it matter what an individual fan intends with their use of a gesture? Is the impact of a chant on others? That important. Have you ever witnessed or participated in Tomahawk Chop at the sporting event? If yes, how did you experience the cheer? Did you enjoy it? Were you embarrassed or offended? Does reading the article make you reconsider? Are you a piece of shit? Should teams like the Redskins, Indians, Chiefs, change their name? Explain. Does your opinion change if the team's question serves a larger Native American population like the Haskell Indian Nation University? Or if a Pacific tribe gives approval or name like the Seminole tribe did for the Florida State Seminoles? Well, will you watch Super Bowl LIV? Will the tomahawk chop affect how you'll experience or enjoy the game? No! No, no, it won't. Other article. Think the Chiefs is a bad name? How about the white male prospectors? Remember, they don't even like the 49ers. You know this is coming. The Chiefs of Super Bowl offering a prime opportunity for activists to try to eradicate the national disgrace of people enjoying themselves. According to Boston NPR station, Native American communities and allies, read, read liberal journalists like the ones at Boston NPR station, are speaking out against the NFL decision to allow the Chief fans to send Super Bowl wearing headdresses and do the Tomahawk chop. Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading today because it's really early. Perpetual, perpetually aggrieved, or once again kvetching to the perennial credulous. Nobody else cares, but maybe we should. In fact, let's shift the outrage generator over to the other side of the scrimmage, the 49ers. The franchise name after those who participated in the California Grown Rush of 1849. There were a various, a vi, a ver, spectators who heard. Their gold and them, their hills, and came like locusts to despoil pristine California wilderness and displace the indigenous people. They stake claims to land that wasn't theirs and stripped it of its resources. Some got wealthy from it. Most just spent what they made on whiskey and prostitutes, uh, sex workers, and they were white men. While their beards would be to die for among today's hipsters, can you imagine the toxic masculinity of the average mining camp? Does a thoroughly modern social justice conscious city of San Francisco really want a NFL team named after such monsters? Surely there are names that reflect more enlightened, inclusive aspects of San Francisco history and culture. If the name must reflect the 19th century of the area, why not honor the Chinese immigrants exploited by violent railroad? White Railroad Tycoons. The California Coolies has a nice ring to it. Rolling ahead a century, why not call the team the San Francisco Lights? An homage to the bookstore that was a beacon to the beat poets. Just as the Baltimore Ravens home game began with Edgar Allan Poe versus City Lights games would feature lines from Allen Ginsberg Howl. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving hysterical naked dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn looking for the angry fix. Are you ready for some football? What about the San Francisco Flower Children, a team named that pays tribute to idealistic young soul that flocked to Ashbury Heights and the Summer of Love would be both historically on target and non-threatening to marginalized communities? Also, some variations that Jerry Garcia's would work. Is there anything more San Francisco than a fourth year old hippie billionaire busted in Golden State Park for freebasing in his BMW? Why not? a nod to the city's diverse neighborhoods like the Mission District, the San Francisco Missionaries. Wait on, uh, never mind. A name could proudly announce the vibrancy of the city today. The San Francisco Unhoused, the Needle Distributors, the Poop Steppers, the Statue Removers. Perhaps highlight the city's commitment to the environment with the San Francisco Strawmen. The point is, that San Francisco is an opportunity to really think outside the box and get a team name that reflects the city's unique identity. The San Francisco Pride. Think about how much You'll, have, you'll save in furry suits if your mascot is a guy in a leather diaper. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Then we had Trump do a commercial, and it just pissed everybody off because it's uh, Latina.
0: I'm free to hug my family. Man. I'm free to start over. This is the greatest day of my life. My heart is just bursting. With gratitude, I want to thank President Donald John Trump. Woo! Thank you,
8: thank you, thank you. I'm Donald Trump, and I
2: approve this message. Comments on that? That Trump ad was a lie. I just threw up in my mouth at the Trump ad. Pandering ass Trump ad. That's a liberal. That sums up liberals. Like, they don't ever pander. So did Trump really just take credit for Kim Kardashian's work? Barf bank, please. The picture of somebody barfing. Then Bloomberg put out an ad. NRA members don't like hypocritical New York City billionaires. You want to know how real Americans feel, Bloomberg? Watch this. And he... I never saw the ad, but I'm, I'm thinking in, in, inside of it, he was talking about inner city and blah, blah, blah. So they brought out women, African Americans, and just dick slapped them. Mike
7: Bloomberg suggests that disarming my, like myself will keep us alive. But Mike Bloomberg is a white billionaire who no place in telling me how I can defend myself, my loved ones.
18: My name is Ashley Boop.
7: My, na- my name is Bren.
18: My name is Michaela Adcock. My name is Olivia Fry, And I'm, I'm a mother.
5: I'm a father and a patriotic American. 17-year veteran of law enforcement. a member. I'm a Pennsylvanian, a future. And I'm a proud supporter of the NRA and a second
7: amendment. Proud supporter of the second amendment. And a proud NRA. And a life NRA member. As a
6: three-year-old little boy, my family means to me. As a woman, I believe that protect my
18: family is with a firearm.
5: I'm a fuck. and if anybody messes with my daughter, they're going to learn today. It's
18: important for me to keep my home secure. There's a gun on the left side of my bed and the right. As a woman, it's important that I'm able to defend myself. As a mother, I would like to pass that on to my daughter. She knows she never has to be defenseless. Your home is protected by armed guards and all. Why can't I exercise my Second Amendment right Mike
5: My thing's stupid for us to own our own home. Mike, what part of shall you don't you understand?
18: Mike Bloomberg, the women in your life, are you okay with the fact that you could leave them defenseless?
5: And Mike, if an American male that you want to disarm, you will
7: never take away my second Amendment. Mike will never take away my right to defend my family.
18: Michael Bloomberg will never take that right away from me. Bloomberg will never take away my right self.
6: I'm the gun lobby, and I am Michael Bloomberg.
5: As a former SWAT officer, many scary situations before. But Mike Bloomberg... I'm not, I am not afraid of Michael
6: Bloomberg. I'm not afraid of Mike Bloomberg. And I am of Mike Bloomberg. I am not afraid Bloomberg. Mike, come and take it.
2: I think it's a good rebuttal, but I think it also just sums up the commercials. I mean, you can put out liberal commercials, it's okay, but when somebody puts a pro flag, not doing it. Pro, pro life, not doing it. It's always got to be liberal. And I, once again, don't think it has anything to do with the NFL being liberal. They're just scared. They don't have a choice. If they don't bend the knee to these people, they're going to make their lives miserable. And they already went through it with the capper dick bullshit. So now it's like, okay, fuck it. Just let them motherfuckers do what they want to do because then they'll leave us alone. So that's our Super Bowl coverage. Glad the Chiefs won. 50 years, they were long overdue. Exciting ending that I turned away for a second and came back and there was 21 ports on the, or 14 more points. They had just got within shooting distance and I was like, what the fuck happened? I had to rewind to see what happened. And, uh, good for them. I don't think they're going to be a dynasty. Everybody's on the Patrick Mahomes is going to do, you know what? They said the same thing in 2011 when the Packers went through the wild card. The next year, they were 15-1, and and they lost in the divisionals. It's really hard to repeat. That's why we don't have a lot of repeats. We just don't. So, let's go to a music break. When we come in, we're going to do some impeachment. We're going to have a quick meltdown, an ugly segment, and a coaching segment, and then a Trump one Segment because the stages of grief are coming out on the impeachment in our media.
16: Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid.
17: If my Republican colleagues refuse to consider witnesses and documents in this trial... The president's acquittal will be meaningless.
4: Well, he will not be acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses.
17: So we're going to have a trial with no
19: witnesses? And I think uh, Speaker Pelosi is right. Then this can't be a real acquittal.
6: They cannot walk out of this building and allege and assert that there has been a true acquittal. There will be no true acquittal if there is not a fair trial.
19: In fact... This trial is no vindication because it was really no trial, no witnesses.
3: But if we acquit this president in a sham trial with no witnesses, it it sets a precedent, you can abuse your office and Congress will simply look the other way.
7: It will be illegitimate. It will have been a rush to judgment. In fact, it's a rush to a
17: cover-up. There will be a permanent asterisk next to the acquittal of President Trump written in permanent ink and russia if you're listening 2020
11: is open for investigations he will be more likely to try to steal the
17: 2020 election the elections may not have a fair result the very charge goes to the fairness of our elections
12: people around the world are watching us going this is what you want for the rest of the world i mean what a sad sad moment after, you know, 300-plus years of democracy.
16: I think it's a sad day for the so-called Republican Party. You know, they're going to need to find their souls. Absolutely. Good luck to that.
2: He's saying, essentially,
3: let's just say this was a court case. Yeah, yeah, he beat his wife. So? This is going to be an enormous stain on the United States Senate. And
19: I fear very much that the president will see himself as uh, one who can emulate that kind of monarchical power.
12: It's it's actually quite scary. I think we're at a very scary moment.
10: I think you just spoke for metric tons of our viewers watching.
2: Oh, man, that's a meltdown compilation. I have another one um, for the This is America. It's right when the news came. That the four Republicans needed to continue the Democrat impeachment they didn't do in the House, but they wanted to do over there with witnesses and shit, all fell apart. So here's our ugly. Um, this is over the couple days after a lot of, lot of venom in here, a lot of hate. They, they just, you know, invoking the Confederacy. It's, it, it's not pretty.
0: I mean, Lamar Alexander could have saved uh, saved the whole thing
16: by voting for more witnesses, which would save democracy, a small thing. But well, look, but no, he doesn't want to. Well, part of what he was, what he's saying he's voting no on is allowing witnesses. Uh, right. And really, the, the, the big witness we're talking about here is Ambassador John Bolton, who was in the room. Yeah. And what I don't understand is why he needs uh, to be in front of the Senate in order to go testify. He can call George Stephanopoulos, or he can call Anderson Cooper, Stephen. or he can call Chris Paul. Well, no, it's not. Because that could really make a well, difference. What, but that's just going to happen. About, think about all the um, interviews we've watched. That where we have learned so much from. I mean, Left Parnas has told us more than John Bolton has. So if he feels something happened in that room that this country needs to know about and the senators need to know about, he doesn't have to wait for a vote. He can go and give us the information now because we deserve the truth. It just seems to me that Republicans have sacrificed their own oaths to protect their
12: own electoral prospects. Yeah. At this point, and I think they have dismantled our very institutions to keep power to, to for their own ideology.
10: Senator Collins, she's been getting beaten up pretty hard by the Democratic Senate campaign committee. They've been
11: really going after her in Maine.
0: We're reporting here at CBS News that there were threats in the state of Maine. Um, the FBI looking into about some threats about school shootings mm-hmm. that if Senator Collins uh voted for acquittal that they would carry out these this is sort of the level of um, you know the level we're at in
12: terms of the the anger on both sides about this particular vote, and the Capitol Police and FBI are on top of that.
14: This was not a uh, profile encouraged by Lamar, and I'm a little surprised—not uh, totally—but I keep thinking this will be the most significant vote he makes in his career, and it's one of the last votes he'll make, and I obviously he's not standing for re-election, he's standing down, uh, and I think it's kind of a sad end note for his career. Well,
10: what, yeah, okay, so you disagree with him, but why isn't it a profile? Because courage? I... I, I, did I. you disagree I,
14: with him? No, no, no. I think if he's he's not, did,
10: Hang on, he's not standing for re-election. That's right. He's not a MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter. He's a longtime public servant. He was the governor of, of Tennessee. He was the education secretary under Bush 41. He worked with you in the White House prior to that. And he just gave a very principled st- uh, statement saying, I disagree with the president's behavior. He has no political reasons to do anything other than his conscience. And you don't think that's a vote of courage. And he's going to be criticized by people on this station and all over the media. I think it's a huge vote of cur- uh, uh, stand of courage on his part. He's going to get eviscerated by Does people it- like you. And it's a
3: cover up. That's what the, the Senate has now done. They have covered up what the President of the United States has done in his grievous action when they had the ability to find out more and reach a bipartisan, as it were, decision if we could hear from the witnesses, if Mr. Bolton could come in and tell us, is there anything else there? No, maybe it would be exonerating. This is a cover-up, plain and simple, and there has been no attempt throughout this proceeding by the Republicans in this Senate of the United States, the so-called world's greatest deliberative body, which we now know, uh, we now can see how deliberative it is. Uh, that we have seen now a really shameful and an episode in our history that is going to redound for many, many years. Particularly because of the Dershowitz catechism for the cult of Trump. Uh, that is an astonishing assertion that Dershowitz made about like- what the president can
11: let learn from the founding fathers. The Constitution is supposed to protect us from a president like Donald Trump. And you guys, Congress, is supposed to protect the Constitution. Unfortunately, you're scared. You're scared to go against him because his supporters will eat you like Trump eats his breakfast bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. You're in a tough spot unless you do exactly as I say. Listen up. Here's the plan. First, you're going to change the rules to make the vote. By secret ballot. Next, you're going to remove this stupid ape, like you all secretly want to do, even you, Lindsay. That's right. And then, when your red-hat constituents freak out, you're going to do what Donald Trump does. You're going to lie. You're going to swear it wasn't you. Everyone of you is going to pretend to be outraged about what your colleagues did to poor Donnie Kofefe, And then... <laughs> We can get rid of them and move on with our life. Oh, we just got it. We- what did we get?
12: You just got it without me? No, you got it. I did?
14: Talk to <laughs> us, control room. <laughs>
12: The statement is, according to the controlling, he is not going to vote for evidence. There you go. Did he say
15: specifically witnesses?
2: No need for more
10: evidence.
15: No need for more evidence, according to uh, Senator Alexander's statement. That's Senator Alexander saying... The case you're making? He definitely did it. (laughs) And I don't want to hear any
16: more about it. And
15: we shouldn't do anything about it.
13: So now the U.S. Senate, and in fact, every member of Congress has to tell the American people, under what scenario do you think a president of the United States can be impeached? Otherwise, just scratch that out of the Constitution and move on.
12: I think for the majority of Americans who have watched this process unfold and are living in reality, um, and Lamar Alexander did actually acknowledge that reality, which is that the president did yes. do something wrong, and that is important. Um, we shouldn't just gloss, gloss that over. But I think for that majority of Americans, what we're witnessing tonight is um, really a capstone in a just total collapse of faith in American institutions. I think if you're an American who uh, believes the evidence that the House managers laid out, you have to be thinking to yourself tonight, I need to get myself and everybody on my block and everybody in my family to a poll very quickly, because otherwise this president is not going to be held accountable. And, you know, I have to say, as somebody who grew up um, with a father who grew up in the Jim Crow South and in the the Jim Crow uh, Detroit. A lot of what this has looked like from the Republican side, the kind of imagining and uh, the farcical nature of this, the the lack of good faith argument, sounds very familiar to me. And uh, it's it's actually quite scary. I think we're at a very scary moment.
10: I think you just spoke for metric tons of our viewers watching tonight after the... Well, I think that it's not just further evidence that Mitch McConnell has a firm grip on his caucus and this was not going to go that way. But it also is is further evidence that this this is President Trump's Republican Party now, completely. Charlie, talk about the dynamic that is in the backdrop of every conversation we're having here in this room, the era of submissive office holders.
11: No, it's interesting that you would use that phrase because I would describe what's going to happen over the next 48 hours as an extraordinary act of self-abasement on the part of Republican senators who could have finessed this in a very different way. And, you know, Mitch McConnell really is now betting the United States Senate on Trump and Trumpism.
16: And I think that he's going to pay a tremendous price. Despite the words of Cory Booker yesterday, who described himself, what was it, Claire, as a hostage of hope? He sort of lifted me up for a while. You must remain a hostage of hope. Yeah. And I I love that he called Trump a moral vandal. I thought that was great. He was unbelievable. So a revelation like this in a normal time with a normal Republican president would be a death knell. Um, and that's why I put this chapter and I put the Senate Republicans' conduct in the same category as their conduct around Excess Hollywood and around Charlottesville, because this is this grave of a moral trespass. If and when they acquit him, same thing. And it is exactly what people – and you see this in the GOP consultant class, the folks running the Lincoln Project, people like mm-hmm. Rick Wilson and Steve Schmidt. John Weaver, I think, tweeted, burn it all down, the GOP. That comes from, and I understand that, that comes from despair and remorse about putting so many of these people in the offices they hold.
3: And what this vote will...
10: Mean for all time, this vote this week, this behavior by Republican senators,
8: I think will sustain the opposition to Trumpism into November third, and I think it 'll be a very bad Tuesday for Republicans in November. What I would like for a lot of these individuals because
13: when Mitch McConnell you know years and years and years from now, when he passes, uh, yes he 'll be known as the person who enabled trump he will also be the person who, who redid the american judiciary. I hope he 's forgotten I hope he 's lost in history I hope his, I, I hope his obituary is like. Selena Meyer and Veep, where it just gets bumped out by something else because we decide we want to talk about Tom Hanks. Because to have absolutely betrayed his commitment to this country the way he has, I hope he is lost in the dustbin of history rather than even being remembered for what he.
16: The significance of this can't be understated. The pressure campaign for which Donald Trump was impeached began in May. It began in May, and and Bolton seems to implicate all of the players. And I liken that first Bolton. Uh, leak if you will reported by the times to that scene where Tom Cruise runs into the firm and realizes that the whole firm was corrupt that is the rock they're going to hide under and that's what they're going to hide under when, in a few hours, they vote for no more witnesses and documents. That's the rock they're going to hide under on the campaign trail. By the way, it, it, that rock sucks. It's Ukraine unbelievable. We have in the Oval the Office a, a surrogate for the Russian disinformation.
13: From an informational standpoint, yes, it's great. This is essentially the end of Clue. The Butler did it in the Oval Office, you know, with a with <laughs> a hat, hall- with a match, you know, everything else like that. In, in May, May. With was in. <laughs> <have> <laughs> the bonus thing: what they were wearing. Right, and what they were wearing Simplownia in a tutu the with some crops, right?
16: Where is Jim Mattis? I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he weren't working on a, a second book for post presidency. Where is H.R. McMaster? Where's his deputy, Dina Powell? They stood in the Oval when Lavrov was there, when Donald Trump gave out classified information. I mean, Rex Tillerson has started to speak out. John Kelly, threw the right. weight of his credibility and his reputation, behind the Bolton book. But where's everybody else? That's the most frightening part.
13: That the people who are representing those of us who are protected by the John Boltons of the world are saying. We don't care. Our political background, our political future is more important than what John Bolton. When people spout nonsense, whether it's Dershowitz or whether it's Fox News, Donald Trump always listens. The scenario that he set up yesterday by basically saying the president do what he wants. Imagine Donald Trump deciding sometime in June, well, I heard this conspiracy theory that a whole lot of illegal immigrants voted in California. So I've decided that during the presidential election, California has to go under, undergo extreme vetting. Because we can't trust their votes. We're going to shut down voting in a state. This is literally the kind of thing he will do now. That we're not talking hypotheticals anymore and that's that's the part that i think disturbs me for all of these people who are worried about their elections we're talking about the actual country and anything that he'll do to joe biden he'll do to a senator He'll do to a senator in his own party so why people aren't concerned why people don't realize that this is step one to actual autocracy not the theoretical one not the one we talk about in class but an actual president who will say this state's votes don't count these people don't have a right to vote these people can't come into the country that is what they're allowing to happen here and i don't understand understand how anyone cannot be terrified not just angry but literally terrified but at some point
11: if uh, if attempts to hold Donald Trump accountable in the Mueller investigation and this do not succeed are you worried about what an invincible Donald Trump might do
10: it's actually maybe worse
2: what Lamar Alexander is doing because he's saying essentially let's just say this was a court case yeah yeah he beat his wife
7: so you know, there's no question he beat his wife. So, time to move on. That's not how we
10: roll in this country. That's not how we uh, decide justice. If, if it's true, if Elmar Alexander believes
2: that it's true, that Trump did these things, to then just go, uh, he, that is a destructive Force in our American success.
11: Uh, what many are calling, some of the House managers are calling, king-like demands of power.
8: Yeah, king-like, dictator-like, autocrat-like. Um, you know, it's no different really than the kind of situation that Putin has, or Kim Jong Un has, or any other autocratic leader. I mean, he has now officially said, Dershowitz said it on his behalf. If if Trump does it, it's not illegal. And that is the place he's been wishing he could arrive since the moment he got to be president.
11: And you're quoting Nixon's infamous interview. Of course, he said that after being run out of office. Uh,
8: Exactly. And, you know, this has been a very steady course. And I am completely with Chris that we are at a moment of unimaginable peril. I was just saying to Chris that I'm thinking of, say, the 200 people who Trump hates most, many of which come through this building a lot of the time, none of whom are safe if Trump is reelected. And I mean literally safe. And it's easy for me to imagine, I first started saying this in 2016 and people laughed at me, it's easy for me to imagine that this show can't happen after Trump is reelected. I mean, all you need to do is look at what happens in countries run by autocratic leaders and all of that is very, very likely to happen if Trump is let, reelected.
10: Let me just, I want to respond to that because I, I feel the tug of that kind of feeling sometimes. It's also worth remembering, and, and this is a line that Ben Wittes has used about malevolence tempered by incompetence. I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons we're here is because the president couldn't fire his own ambassador. I mean, we know from the record, from Lev Parnas, from Rudy Giuliani text, that they, he said it was almost comical. The president was trying to get Yuri Yovanovitch. They kept firing her four times, and someone was not executing the order it took him months in
11: fact think about wait, the wait, so you're, i just want to, cuz you really you both laid out when you say it it's compelling some people might get scared when you say it it's like wait is he darth vader or is he like the worst stormtrooper but this is I, to me that's why the the what the precedent being set matters so much because it is
10: bigger than the figure of Donald Trump it 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 really is right. and it's about the lessons people take about governance
2: going forward and it's about the way the system is going i didn't realize that it was so long when I, mean, I just did my taxes Eight hey, Thanksgiving. Yeah, we won't play the coaching. There's ones of them coaching them. Literally Chuck Todd coaching. But I will play Well, this was going on during the last days. Andy Lasseter. Well it looks like there may be new rules, so attention, World, if you have any proof of any abortions Donald Trump may have paid for, send them over. All his texts, emails, phone calls would be cool. All his promises, love letters to Putin, MBJ, and other despots are welcome. This was there was numerous Liberals that are also journalists or pundits begging for dirt. If you were raped, which means Trump said, hey, you're pretty lady. Yeah, we want it. But by the end of the day, they had to admit it.
7: He won. Jeffrey Toobin, uh, step back a little bit. Give us the big picture right now
17: of what we're, what we're seeing.
7: Trump won. I mean, you know, he's going to win this trial. He, he won uh, on the issue of witnesses. He's going to get acquitted. And um, that, that's how history will remember what, what went on here. Um, I, I think um, history will also record that there are at least one and perhaps other pivotal, pivotal witnesses who were available to the House of Representatives to talk uh, to the Senate to talk about the precise issue that is the subject of of this uh, impeachment trial and the senate decided not to hear from him. And the-
10: Rand Paul went first and allowed him to ask he asked his question uh, his question uh, named somebody that Rand Paul believes to be the whistleblower and the chief justice has made clear he wants no part of that will have no part of that and he's not going to do it. Uh, Rand Paul continues to air his grievances. He continues to air them in other ways in social media. I'm not going to help him promote that. Uh, he thought it was important to do this in this setting. Um, even his friend Lindsey Graham uh, said, while well, he thinks there's a quest, there are legitimate questions here. This was not the place to do it. Uh, so that, call that a political stunt. Uh, Rand Paul would say it's a principled argument. Republicans make a good point. The whistleblower started all this. Why has the whistleblower never been questioned? Shouldn't the House, Demo- uh, House Democrats have found a secure way to do that? It, it's a legitimate point. of debate as we go through this. Uh, Is outing the whistleblower in a public setting the way to make your point? I think we could have a conversation about that. Um, This process is broken. There's no trust between the two parties. It is perfectly legitimate. that the, The Democrats' argument is just about everything the whistleblower alleged has been proven through other sources, so we don't need to do this. But you're asking the Congress, the Senate now, to remove the President of the United States. It's a legitimate point for the President's team of the Republicans to say, shouldn't we go to the very origin of this?
8: Give us the big picture.
2: Right now, of what what we're seeing,
7: Trump won. I mean, you know, he's going to win this trial. He he won uh, on the issue of witnesses. He's going to get acquitted, and um, that that's how history will remember what what went on here. The idea that John Bolton is out there uh, with a book and giving speeches for money. And uh, said he's willing and, and you know, having li- someone leaking the contents of that book um, daily to The New York Times. And and the Senate decided not to hear from John Bolton is just an absolute it's because travesty. It's,
19: I agree
10: with the, the adjectives been, that have been used by other people. Uh, it's a travesty. They go back and forth between thinking. Do you call it a sham or do you call it a shame? And It's probably both of those things. You can argue all you want about witnesses. You can argue all you want about documents. The point it's being made is it's almost we'll, de- we'll, we'll demurge. We'll say, okay, man, we man. accept. And, yeah, and but, Lamar but, Alexander but, said, but, 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 I'll accept Senator, everything Senator, to be Senator, true, Senator, still not guilty. Senator, that wasn't a motion to dismiss. That was a motion to, to, to seek witness testimony. And people understand, no matter what legal or technical argument you're going to make about sufficiency or you're going to make about the the, the closed Why record would you of need the house
3: to a charge I know you
10: used let, to be let, an elected let, official, but let, we're both let, now let, private let, citizens, let, and for, I think I should be able to finish for. my sentence. Respond common to my sense, question. Common sense reigns supreme. The
11: public is going to perceive that as a sham, and I think that they it hurt them.
2: It just hurt them. But I think what they don't understand is how much it's going to hurt future presidents. Julie Ernst. Suggested to Bloomberg News on Sunday that Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden, if elected, could potentially face impeachment immediately after being sworn in. Democrats have opened Pandora's box. I think the door of impeachment, or impeachable whatever, has been opened. Joe Biden should be very careful what he's asking for because, you know, we have a can have a situation where if it should ever be President Biden that immediately people write the day after he would be elected, would say, "Well, we're going to impeach him." Ernst apparently suggested the grounds for impeaching Biden could be for being assigned to take on Ukrainian corruption, yet turning a blind eye on Bermisa because his son was on the board, making over a million dollars a year. Ernst's comments which were speculative and were an overall reflection of how Democrat standards of impeachment conduct would be used against them. Were twisted by author of a report Jennifer Epstein. Epstein wrote, Joni Erst tells me that there would be impeach, immediately be a Republican pushed to impeach Biden over Ukraine if he's elected. And that's not what she said.
9: <clears throat>
2: but Jennifer Epstein was so enamored with Hillary, she masturbated six times a night with a fucking Hillary doll. I don't really know that, but I'm assuming it because we covered her on the show. It was idolatry. It wasn't journalism. Network's ratings collapse across first week of Senate impeachment trial not going to go into the numbers. It was worse. They were down to 1.2 million. It just kept getting lower. Then we get into more. We gotta invoke the Confederacy. Of 51 Republican senators who voted to block John Bolden's testimony in Trump impeachment trial, 25 represent states of the Confederacy during the Civil War. The old Confederacy represents the bulwark of the 21st century GOP. John Harwood, formerly of CNBC, kicked off this new start at CNN on a very humiliating downslope so severe that he had to delete his own embarrassing tweet due to the mocking blowback he received. How bad was it? So bad that Harwood reached back almost 160 years in history to compare the senators voting against more witnesses during Trump's impeachment to the old Confederacy. Although Howard might think his February 1st tweet might have disappeared down the memory hole, nothing on the web has ever permanently gone and absurd words will live on for eternity. Later the same day, he posted a laughably lame explanation. Deleted a tweet because I made a tabulation mistake. 23 of the 51 Senator GOP's votes to block Bolton testimony came from the states of the old Confederacy, not 25. Apologies for my error. The excuse inspired a mocking reply from CNBC colleague, Jake Novak. This is like convicting Al Capone on tax evasion. The problem with the tweet went far beyond math. It sought to insert a racial divide and fear where there was none. Pretty much the strategy against Trump all along. Let's not try to refight the Civil War for nothing. Despite the fact that Harwood deleted his Confederacy tweet, which continues to live on in infamy, his January 31st CNN article, Republicans Prove They Refused to Defy Trump Almost Any Circumstances, also conjures up the Confederate States, showing he seems to have Confederacy on the mind. White Southerners in Congress identified with Nixon's conservatism, but generally belonged to the opposition party. In 1974, De- Democrats still held a 17 of 26 Senate seats in the 13 states of the old Confederacy. And congratulations to John Harwood for joining the Confederacy of De- Dunces at CNN, he'll fit in just right. What does that have to do with an impeachment? And really, how many black people are elected by Democrats? You've had one president. No people of color show up, folks. Teen Vogue jumped in. Trump should be impeached for racism and Islamophobia. I'm not reading the article. News that trial might skip witnesses sends celebs on obscene Twitter rants. And here we come with the tolerant left. You think the Confederacy's bad? Yeah, it's nothing. It's just fucking... Nothing compared to the fucking insanity of these people. Democrats, oh, uh, since the Hill report on Wednesday, the Senate Majority Leader, da, 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 hellboy actor Ron Perlman, blew his stack, tweeting an unhinged condemnation of the rigged trial. The angry guy responded to the Hill report blasting the motherfuckers GOP senators. Go ahead, motherfuckers, rig the vote, rig the trial, hang that around your necks and wear it as a chain of gold you gain by shilling for despots and scumbags. And enjoy your last days, because when we come for you, we're coming hard. Hmm, is that a threat of physical violence? Perlman seemed so annoyed at the prospect of losing that he hounded Ted Cruz on the platform in response to Texas Senator's quick press conference. He tweeted, Yo, Ted, remember when the douchebag attacked your wife and your dad? What kind of slimeball defends a man like that? And why should anyone give a shit about what slimeball spoo? Rob Reiner gave us another hysterical assessment on the death of democracy claiming it happened the time this time around no really the actor director tweeted Trump's lawyer argued that foreign interference in our election is perfectly fine Republican senators agree make no mistake we are on the precipice of the death of the democracy how many fucking times the article goes how can you take this guy serious he says it every week every week Bette Midler dropped some F-bombs as well, retweeting a video of Trump mis- mispronouncing words on his most recent rally and mocking him as revenge for the cover-up. She commented, commented, this is the man the entire GOP is covering for. He doesn't seem well, but he's laughed at the disabled and so many others. So fuck him. Go ahead and laugh. John Cusack, fuck DNC and Bloomberg, Who wants one thing to stop Sanders? Okay, you want to make this like 68? You want to lie? Try to buy it and just shove it down our throats? Fuck you. We're coming for you too. Believe it. This is the part that I cannot wait to watch because there are already articles that I haven't covered, but it's already starting to surface that they're trying to fucking fuck Sanders again. It's nonstop, folks. They're fucking him. What are these people going to do this time? Last time they just walked out, DNC was preparing to have seat fillers. We proved it on the show. What are they going to do this time? Madeline, a revolution is coming, a revolution which will be peaceful if we are wise enough, compassionate if we are care enough, successful if we are fortunate enough, but a revolution which is coming whether we will or not. We can affect its character. We cannot alter its inevitability. Agree. John Cusack says, but when you're you in a fight, you can't pretend it's not a fight. Dorothy Nabel, language matters. Brett Stevens writes of our hatred, burning of the pot love possible. How do we make voices perceptible to those who won't listen to our words, who will only perceive and report our noise and volume and mocking? We recognize our off-putting anger and substitute to gentle. Brett Stevens is a joke. What exactly has he been right about ever? John Kusack. Dumpster Fire 2020. Oh, look, it's my favorite genre of Twitter. Celebrity multimillionaires screaming about billionaires. Dave Vanquere, This guy will say anything for attention. Ha, <laughs> ha, the movie, say anything. If he wants to recreate 68, let him. I hope his sister sedates him before telling him about the Iowa polls going missing, which we'll get to in the next segment. You'll be angry, too, if you speak. You peaked with gross point blank. Then... It's okay for Twitter, once again. Hashtag rest in peace GOP. Isn't that inciting violence, isn't it? But no, it's not a violation of Twitter service when you're talking about Republicans or Christians or white people or Southerners. It's all good. It's all good. Gosh, wouldn't it be awful if rest in peace GOP trended today? Definitely don't retweet rest in peace GOP. Use the hashtag rest in peace GOP. Today it might upset Republicans. Jay Ruling and Pontius Pilate washed his hands. Once McConnell wrapped his, I'm just going to read them. There's just a million, but I picked the good ones. Once McConnell wrapped up his rig, rigged, predetermined, no witness trial and newly emboldened, more dangerous Trump follows in the footsteps of Putin and starts having critics murdered. What's the remedy then? Critics murdered. How many Clintons, how many people critical of the Clintons have died? I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat, but seriously, how many? Shame on every member of the GOP Senate who chose Putin over America. I'm not ashamed of my country because my country demanded witnesses. I'm ashamed of senators who place personal power and privilege over it. Rest in peace, GOP. It was an awful party, but at least it's over. Evan Shapiro, after Watergate, the GOP lost the House for 22 years. After 22 months of Trump, the House GOP lost the House by largest vote margin in history. They have to say vote margin because they can't say seats. That's how they spin it for the new blue wave. Yo, Senate GOP, keep this up and you'll lose both House for as long as midget Mitch burns in hell. It's okay, you can say that, he's a Republican. I'm mad as hell today. McConnell said he was going to bury the evidence and move the trial quickly, and now cowardly GOP senators are looking to ban any witness of documents. The Republican Party is filth, pure corruption, backing an immoral president. A vote for any Republican will be a vote for lawlessness and corruption, no matter what they say, no matter how they say it. It's that simple. Somebody wrote simple little things they never learned. Do they really think the GOP is worried about a bunch of people hating them who have been hating them for years Not so much. Fuzzy Chimp, me watching the Rest in Peace GOP tag. Rest in Peace GOP is chock full of delicious temper tantrums, Lizzie Lou, Hu said. Ord Lang Syne, is Rest in Peace GOP a new line of products from Gwyneth Paltrow? It's a new line of products from Gwyneth Paltrow, isn't it? Watching Democrats whine with impeachment trial sham and Rest in Peace GOP trending is fantastic. It is like election day again. Your pain refreshes me. (laughs) <laughs> Rest in peace GOP is another trend by Democrats who are mad at Republicans about the impeachment failure when it's the House Democrats who actually failed. Congratulations on ignoring your party's ineptitude. You deserve this loss. The vote hasn't even taken place on the witnesses, let alone the actual case, and they've already lost their frickin' minds. We can't even imagine how insane this is going to be. Get moving forward. Eating our Wheaties. Ben Davis. As far as I'm concerned, every single Republican senator has committed treason. Really. Nick Jack Papas. Papas. We're about to witness a historic dismantling of the Republic. Dershowitz said Trump can do whatever he wants as long as he feels he's the best interest of the country, and the Senate didn't reject the notion. The Constitution, as we know it, is irrelevant. Rest in peace, America. Oh, well, we took it to the next level. America isn't dead. It's actually what it always was. A political system built by and for the benefit of the rich, white, powerful men. The only thing that died is the illusion that it was ever anything else. I got my pen! And I got my phone. That was your president. But that wasn't a dictatorship. Okay. Megan Lit- Kittle Autry. Democracy dies in the light of day, too. Well, that's good. A little twist on the Washington Post. Comrade Misty is Putin's buddy. Ugh, really, I'm so tired of people pretending that Trump is what makes America awful. It's always been awful. He just ripped the mask off. Enter the Bernie supporters, the article says. Get some popcorn, Kike. No wall, no matter high, will keep a country safe when it's rooting for rotting from the inside. Karen, VCU. I feel like I'm literally watching the death of my country. Somebody said this is just sad. Wait, no, it's hilarious. The whining in my timeline because I ridiculed the Rips the Pizza America hashtag is so delicious that I'm afraid it will be fattening. Keep it coming, diaper babies. Maybe mommy will change you when you're stinky enough. <laughs> that was Nick Cersei. Laugh out loud. They know they, they know they've lost. So now they're running with Rest in Peace, America. Note to the left: You overplayed your hand. Let this be a lesson when people start t- taking your party seriously again, like in 2032. Democrats have been ripping America for years, ripping on and ripping off. Rest in peace, America, happened in the House when Schiff, Nadler, and Pelosi ignored constitutional law, historical precedents, and their own words. When they hastily pushed through a political impeachment based on lies, Pelosi knew this is going to end this way. She tried to stop it. Your base pushed her. I would say the media poster. The Senate chaplain showing that he is furious because there's going to be no witnesses. Democrats tweeting, rest of peace America, because whenever they do not get their way, it's the end of democracy. Thank you, Senator Murkowski, for helping us laugh at them again. The shrieking and foot stomping on this tag is better than anything in movie theaters. And that's actually true. Then walks in Tom Nichols. Remember, he's like Reuben. He's a conservative. Kinda. Maybe. Not. After tonight, I never want to hear another Democrat voter complain about not feeling energized or hurt or enthused or excited. Vote for your primary choice and then be ice cold in your determination to show up at the polls and vote for the nominee, whoever it is. Tom will be ice cold for Bernie Sanders because Tom is a socialist, everybody said. His next tweet, feel like a fair number of Americans would be fine with Chinese or Russian rule as long as there was beer, porn, snacks, and sports channels. And then they felt like their new overloads were not looking down on them for trading liberty for beer, porn, snacks, and sports channels. I love tweets like that. Keep doing that, please. My, my wife, I, I gave her my Twitter account. And she said, "I might even vote." I mean, it's so bad when you read it. CNN analyst Wajeeh, shaped by the American coastland, Ali. He even says it: American coastland. How does democracy survive when one of the two parties is an increasingly extremist minority that refuses to play by the rules, cheats and demands civility but gives none? When both sides, with when you both sides everything and put extremist behavior on the same pedestal. As normal behavior. I don't know. You're a Democrat. Tell me how you do it. They are the minority. Elected minority. Michael Codry. The crowd of the Trump rally in Des Moines, Iowa today. This is possibly the most attended political rally in Iowa history. And it was. During the time the Democrats are supposed to be ruling the Iowa caucuses. There was more people at a Trump rally. Jim Acosta, of course, was there. Because he's always there with his diary. And these are dispatches from the front. And in the old days of this show, I'd be playing violin music right now. Trump went back to one of his oldest lies at his rally in Iowa today, saying CNN turned off his camera when he mentioned the network. Not true. But everybody in the crowd turned around to see previewing his 2020 message, Trump returning to ugly anti-immigrant rhetoric at his rally in Iowa, heaping contempt on migrants heading for the border. Some of those people are stone-cold killers. He's right, they are. Everyone ever wonder how much lower CNN ratings would be if they didn't count airports running at 24-7? On mute. On mute. That was the reply to him. Eric Solwell, a vote to acquit Trump is also a vote to acquit Russia. To justify his corrupt scheme, Trump peddling Russian propaganda, letting Trump go free, invites Russia to further weaponize misinformation. They're still on Russia, but it was proven he didn't do anything. Elizabeth Warren, I asked Schiff, at a time when many have lost faith in government, doesn't the fact that Chief Justice Roberts is presiding over an impeachment trial in which GOP senators were few witness or have evidence contribute to loss of legitimacy of the Chief Justice SCOTUS and Constitution. That's five-second stare-down that Justice Roberts gave after reading Elizabeth Warren's correct question as a look we've all given to someone in the meeting who asked a question just to look like the smartest person in the room. They attacked him. They would never do it if he was a liberal. Remember, the Supreme Court was anointed when it was majority liberal. Evan McMullen, yeah, he crawled back. We're witnessing the raw partisan pursuit of power by Senate Republicans, most of whom appear willing to destroy the Constitution if it serves their personal interests. I never thought I'd see such an unpatriotic, unpatriotic display in America, let alone the Senate. Can someone sanely explain to me how the Constitution will be destroyed? I hear it all the time. If the House and Senate both follow the rules laid out in the Constitution... Wajit, shaped by the League again, CNN. What if Trump loses the 2020 election but refuses to leave? He says it was rigged and promotes conspiracy theories and then says it's a national interest for him to stay. What will Republicans do? I don't know. What have the Democrats done since day one? After they stole election for Bernie Sanders and then tried to steal it again in a coup attempt, did six articles of impeachment proposals then ran with one that they didn't do legally or actually get subpoenas or go to a judge because none of them are actual high crimes and misdemeanors, didn't bring in witnesses for the other side, didn't close door meetings, and then took it over to the fucking Senate and demanded a trial. I don't know. I know one thing, the GOP won't burn cities down if he loses in 2020. We won't have an Antifa right wing fucking version of them running around. We just won't. So there were protesters during all this, and they sounded like this
9: Donald Trump to jail. This fascist regime is guilty as hell. remove, send Donald Trump to jail. This fascist regime is guilty as hell. Our government has failed us. Please.
2: All fell apart griffin so history reflect this kathy griffin reflect that lamar alexander and john effing bolton as a two frail old pathetic men who took the united states from the great experiment of democracy to authoritarian kleptocracy. those two shitbags and i want you to show you can get because remember twitter promotes liberal hashtags so on this alone, they had rest in peace GOP, rest in peace America, impeachment trial sham Moscow Mitch. Half her tweet was just liberal hashtags. Pat Oswald lashed out as well on the social media platform. Do the GOP senators voting against witnesses and impeachment realize that more evidence will just keep spilling out like probably later today? You're staking your legacy on the sloppiest criminal cabal since the apple dumpling gang. Good luck. Rob Reiner came back out again in a country that was still governed by the rule of law. Chipolone should, would be disbarred and Donald Trump would be moved from office and face criminal charges. Danny Zucker, Martin family executive producer, got really weird with it, creating a pledge for himself and fellow leftists, commit themselves to the Democratic Party in the wake of the news. Repeat after me, I state your name, will work my ass off for the Democratic nominee, even though that person is not my first choice, because as any sane person can see, the alternative is the death of democracy. George Takai, the GOP-controlled Senate, was as much as on trial as Trump, and we, the people, find them guilty of a cover-up. In November, there will be reckoning. Pass it on. Then they went to their obituaries. Yeah. But Ryan Goodwin, a lawyer in the Pentagon during the Obama administration, is warning on his website just security that history, as measured by liberal media obituaries, should make the president's defenders nervous about their legacy. These are lessons for life. Goodman began with Thomas Railsback, Illinois, who died just before the Senate trial began. The headline for his obituary in the Associated Press read, Thomas Railsback, congressman who broke the, with the GOP to back Nixon impeachment, dies. The New York Times offered Thomas Railsback, who reconciled GOP, to oust Nixon, dies in 87. The Washington Post, Thomas Railsback, Illinois Republican, helped write impeachment articles against Nixon, dies. Is this really the defining moment of Railsback's life story, or does it merely show the journals are still Nixon-obsessed? Goodman insisted that in the pattern for every obituary of every Republican member of the House Judiciary Committee who voted in 74 for or against Nixon the article's of impeachment, if the reference is not made... In the obituary headline, it still appears as a central point in the narrative of their lives. He lined up headlines to make the point. Joe Marzotti, 78, defender of Nixon. Willie Main, GOP member who voted not to impeach. Sandman, Nixon supporter, dies. Lawrence J. Hogan, Republican who called for Nixon impeachment, dies their Butler, and he just goes on and on and on and goes to everybody. This might be the territory where Trump-backing Republicans worry about the moderates who flaunt their indecision on whether they'll vote to extend the Senate trial by including more witnesses. They might think about how they will be remembered down the road by the AP New York Times and Washington Post. That's an interesting angle, considering every Republican who dies. Republican senator caught up in this. Republican senator who was a racist, they always find something negative for them. When Democrats who had a negative history die, they don't even say Democrat. Senator Jones died. Politico worries about inevitable Trump will take a victory lap. Politico is deeply concerned about impeachment, not that it could drag on for a few more weeks or months. No, their worries that he'll take a victory lap. White House reporter Nancy Cook wrote about the concerns on January 27th. Trump plots a flashy series finale for impeachment. The president is itching to close out a bruising bruising chapter of his presidency with a victory lap to maximize the political value of his expected acquittal. Cook kicked off by painting a picture of president itching to celebrate his acquittal. In recent days, he and top White House aides have been considering how he should celebrate this presumed acquittal by the Republican-controlled Senate and whether he should deliver a rare Oval Office address to mark the occasion, according to three senior administration officials. Trump has not settled on a specific plan yet, but the internal mach- machinations show the extent to which the president remains focused on the details and optics of his ongoing impeachment trial. From the TV slot in which his lawyers argue is the case of performance of his legal team, to the look and feel of the speech or ceremony, marking the end of the month. The president is giving a lot of thought to where he goes when he is acquitted and vindicated. This isn't a a one-and-done-a-moment. This will be a sustained exit from a long, dreary impeachment process, the greatest reset to 2020, not just the 2020 election, but the 2020 domestic and international arena. One can almost hear the rubbing sounds of Cook's worry beads as the White House tries to control and dominate the news cycle this week with a goal of turning the coverage to Trump political advantage. Current... And former administration officials like the counter programming approach to drown out negative news. They summed it up. White House aides expect Trump to treat impeachment as a democratic ploy he managed to beat and any post impeachment celebration will likely marry Trump's love of the victory lap with his penchant for political grievances. As if impeachment isn't a democratic ploy and Trump has no grievances with the Democrats or their media pals. See, what they hate about him is he knows TV, he knows PR, and he's doing what a Democrat would do. Do you really remember Clinton being so aggrieved and saying, I am so sorry? I don't remember that. But this is our political class. This is how they look at it. Worry about your obituaries. Oh, goddamn him from doing A fucking victory lap. CNN was in the act. President Trump is not expected to apologize or admit any wrongdoing. Jerry Diamond and Kristen Holmes, unlike the last president to be acquitted, don't expect Trump to apologize or express any contrition for his conduct. Instead, people close to the president say they anticipate he will claim vindication and continue to proclaim his complete and total innocence. While Clinton apologized to the nation after he was acquitted in the Senate, I do not remember that, Saying he was profoundly sorry, sources close to the president say Trump is likely to stick to his insistence that the conduct was perfect. I don't see the president making a big statement one way or the other that would indicate anything different than what he's been saying for months, one Republican close to Trump said. Why should he? Will shift or these are responses to it. Speaker Pelosi apologized to the American people for lying us for three years on public TV. Only a Democrat would think an attempted murder victim should apologize to the criminal. The Democrats are not expected to apologize to America for running a sham impeachment. He doesn't need to apologize. Fake news owes our president and American people an apology for lying, misleading, with fake news. CNN should apologize. Yeah, they should. I'm going to play a soundbite, and I want you to tell me, What is the difference between any of these three? You have Chuck Todd, you have George Snuffleupagus, you have Brooks, and then you have Bill Maher. What is the difference between the first three are supposed to be journalists, and I air quoted, and Bill Maher, a partisan piece of shit?
7: I think the thing that's uncomfortable here
2: is the idea that if you can, if you basically can harness enough
10: support in the public, you can bulldoze, you can essentially bulldoze the Constitution, um, perhaps. Or you can, and look, we are a democracy. Uh, that is what we are. We're a republic. Um, we're a democratic republic. But that is, I mean, we are essentially saying, if you commit impeachable offenses, you can get away with it if you're popular enough, and perhaps that is the standard the framers thought they would have in mind. Perhaps that's why they put politicians in charge of, of, of being the jurors, although we should remember the framers had the Senate be the jurors back when they weren't directly elected by the people. They were appointments um, by state legislatures.
7: He's going to be speaking before the vote on Wednesday when the senators are expected to acquit him on these charges that have been brought up in the impeachment process. Assuming that he is acquitted, which it looks like he certainly will be, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on his governing style and his campaign style?
15: Well, that is a big, big question. Uh, you know, again, let's see if he talks about it on my, on, on Tuesday night. Number two, you know... We- in the past, whenever the president has kind of escaped uh, uh, an issue, he's he's doubled down. Remember, just the day after the Mueller uh, testimony back in, in July of 2019 was the day he made that phone call to the Ukrainian uh, president. He might feel completely vindicated and unleashed uh, in the wake of this. On the other hand, uh, this story is not, is not over. We're still waiting to hear from John Bolton. We found out just late on Friday night at midnight uh, that the Justice Department was holding back 24 emails that indicated the president's thinking uh, on this matter. You can bet that the Democrats are going to make an issue of this going into the election. What kind of impact that that will have is uncertain, but the president has not escaped this issue. And one final point on that, uh, the Southern District of New York is still investigating his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, for his involvement in this matter.
19: A lot of shoes left, potentially. <laughs>
1: Well, let me come back to the Lamar Alexander point, though, is it he's not taking... He said, we understand this is what the president did, but he shouldn't be removed over it. I mean, tackle that.
19: Yeah, and Marco Rubio on Medium has a, a similar argument, line of argument. And I think the way you could make that argument is that this is not purely a criminal trial. This is a political thing. And you have to take into account the larger context. And while I say I would probably vote to remove, it would make me very nervous if we had persuaded nobody in the American public. And this body rests within the larger realm of the American public. And maybe America is not persuadable by evidence and facts anymore. In that case, we've got a problem. But if we have it, if the people saying he should be impeached or removed have not changed a single mind, and if there's any evidence they've gone the opposite way, and we have a society where everything is delegitimized, I think this would massively delegitimize... Uh, Washington, And maybe that's the fault of the voters. The Trump supporters are not the fault of Washington, but it, it's a reality.
14: We had a very tough day, tough week. Anything I get out of you is gravy at this point. I appreciate it all. The good news is the impeachment trial is almost over. Uh, the bad news is uh, so is rule of law in America. That's a little... What other conclusion can we draw except that when you saw Alan Dershowitz, the president's chief lawyer there at the trial, say that any action taken by this president to help his reelection is, by definition, in the public interest. When did we decide that? <laughs> I can commit any crime if it's good for me because then it's good for America? It's like saying you can't arrest a car thief if he thinks you should be walking more. Alan I tell you. What happens to these people? So many of... Alan Dershowitz used to be normal. <laughs> he came up with this idea when he was on Jeffrey Epstein's plane. <laughs> which he was a lot. No, I'm... He was getting a massage from, I'm sure, a completely age-appropriate young lady in his underwear, and... Uh, and he ran it by her this theory, and she said, "Please don't make my job disgusting."
2: <laughs>
14: there was a glimmer of hope. Are you watching last night that at least we would get witnesses, but no. <clears throat> it, it hinged on Lamar Alexander, seventy-nine-year-old retiring senator from Tennessee. Still, not enough cover. <laughs> He said he made the decision after wrestling with his conscience and pinning it to the mat. (laughs) Alexander said, yeah, he agreed. Trump did it. He did all of it. But senators have taken an oath to protect Donald Trump. And that's just the way the Constitution is written. (laughs) So it's a done deal. This is going to happen. Trump will be acquitted on Wednesday. Republicans have nothing left to do but dot the I's and cross the T's and fuck the U's. (laughs) As always, with Trump, nothing will happen to him Just bigger slaps on the wrist from Melania. <laughs> and in the future, when Trump shoots somebody on Fifth Avenue, Mitch McConnell will be there to lick the blood off his shoes. <laughs> so we are, <laughs> we are officially living in a dictatorship, and not even one with good rail service. <laughs> In happier news, the coronavirus is spreading. (laughs) (laughs) No, China's in bad shape. They have locked down many cities. Uh, Trump has offered to send assistance to China. But, well, (laughs) hold on. First, a little matter of digging up some dirt on the Bidens, please. (laughs) You know, because... All right. um, Interesting. Biden and Bernie... Neck and neck now in Iowa and nationally, it is turning into a two-geezer race. <laughs> Today, Biden said, victory is so close, I can almost smell its hair. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? The two oldest guys, and the, what do the Democrats need? We they even the young. Democrats needing, uh, the leading candidate for the party that needs the young has malarkey written on his bus. <laughs> tell you, Democrats are so desperate to engage the social media generation that the ballot in Iowa does not list the candidates' names. It says, which Democratic candidate are you? (laughs) Keep thinking about it. It'll work for you. It'll work for you. I think Bernie and Biden should run together. They'd be like the two Muppets in the balcony. All right, we got a great show. Rick Wilson.
2: I don't hear any difference. It's the same shit. They are the left. John Ailes, a blue check reporter. Two senators of South Dakota will cast votes against witness and documents. They each represent 429,234 South Dakota voters. Our two California senators represent 19,625,000. South Dakota voters have 45.72 times the voting power than I do. Fuck that. That's what makes them become this. Because they can't have their way. Because we are in a republic that respects that everybody has a vote. Every state has rights. Comfortably smug will end our segment. We'll go into short media. Libs are too dumb to realize the only thing accomplished by impeachment is a public hearing the name Hunter Biden and the number 80,000 a month over and over again. Going to be hilarious when Biden is a general more damaged than Hillary was. The fact that is completely uncontested is that Hunter Biden framed crackhead was paid 80,000 a month by a corrupt Ukrainian energy company. No ad by the Biden campaign can explain that Hunter was paid that much for his expertise in managing energy companies. It's corruption. Debate one with Trump. Trump has a stripper holding Hunter's baby in the front row. Debate two with Trump. Why was Hunter paid 80000 a month? Explain that, Joe. He was on drugs. He was sleeping with his brother's wife, Joe. Trump will do that. Dems really want this? Oh, man, can you imagine? It's pretty hilarious that Dem let us destroy Warren. Now they're stuck with Burisma Biden and commie Bernie. There is no middle ground anymore. There are no lifeboats left. Biden voters would, would have voted for Warren and the general. Bernie voters would have voted for Warren and the general. But the idiot Dems let us trick them into killing each other and repeating Bernie versus Hillary. And they fell for it. Now they're totally splintered. It's amazing. And he's right. It doesn't matter how much the left says it. The Biden stuff is more crooked to Americans than a phone call after Mr. Cell Phone and Pen said, after the election, almost power. We heard that on live TV. You, the media, said it was okay. He makes foreign policy. All this did is hurt him. But you can't hear that with Jake Tapper.
1: But I do think overall there is a corruption issue in Ukraine. We have pointed this out for years. I know. Not on, necessarily
7: about the Bidens. You're saying not just necessarily in, gen- in, in general. general, general, in, general in
1: general, there is a corruption issue there, and and of course the president honed in on that. Um, and, and took that issue on. But again, you know, we want to see how this influences our caucus goers tomorrow evening as they head out to their polling places. But
7: that does seem to undermine the argument that this wasn't about electoral politics, given that you're saying you want to see how the mention of Joe and Hunter Biden, and we should point out there is no evidence that anybody did anything illegal, uh, regarding the Bidens, uh, and, and Ukraine, and, and Joe Biden was carrying out U.S. policy. But it does, it does seem to suggest that you think, that this could have an effect
1: i think this does whether you know that was the intention or not now everything is tied together so uh, the information about the bidens is out there and so now it is up to the american people to decide you know was that a good choice for hunter biden to be on that board especially at a time when his father was trying to ferret out corruption in mm-hmm. ukraine having a son working for the most corrupt oligarch in ukraine
2: You've- yeah, you were told to say that. We 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 read the we read it, folks. You've been given a communique from the Biden campaign and you tow the line, Jake Tapper. Country Smug brings us another thing, which I didn't even know. It's for smug industries. It was huge. Fox News even talked about it. I give it some thought, and I'm going to hold the first annual Smug Industries Liberal Hack Tournament. It will be a March Madness-style bracket where I post matchups and everyone votes in the polls. In the end, there will be only one top liberal hack on Twitter, announcing the contenders for the first annual Smug Industries Liberal Hack Tournament, and it's Fox News Hacks, Way Too Old Online Hacks, Establishment Hacks, Liberal Activist Hacks. So, the voting happened. Now they're down the final four. Fox News has picked up on the tournament, and it was Rubin, Seltzer, Acosta, and Maddow. They even covered it. The ongoing contest has been pitting many members of the mainstream media against each other in a liberal-hacked NCAA, NCAA-style format. Seltzer, a number one seed, handily won the way-too-old online hack division of the tournament against Daily Beast editor-at-large Molly Junkfast, earning 85.7% of the vote. He will face off what is being called the fake four against establishment hack division winner Rachel Maddow, who narrowly defeated Chris Cuomo, roughly 52% of the vote, which was seen as an upset as Cuomo was a number three seed while she was number thirteen. Meanwhile, Acosta vested his colleagues Don Lemon, who received attention this week after his panel mocked Trump supporters as illiterate, credulous boomer rubes. However, Acosta, being a number one seed, was able to maintain his status, earning 62% of the vote. Ruben, the number two seed, who is the Washington Post self-described conservative blogger, beat out self-described Republican CNN commentator Anna Navarro, clinching more than 75% of the vote in a liberal activist hack division. Things are getting excited now. Your pick, Jessica Fletcher. This makes me so happy. Peter J. Hassan. Clicked in just to see what Smug Industries spokesman said. Was not disappointed. This anonymous spokesman is doing good work. Lib owning level over 9,000. We're looking at real generational talent here. Their final four hacks share a lot of key qualities. Shamelessness, immunity, cognitive dissonance, paranoia, hypocrisy, and a loose relationship with facts. (laughs) Jennifer Blogger is going to bring it all home, and there's a million. No way it's Seltzer. I won't read them, but comfortably smug. Jennifer Rubin versus Acosta. Rubin 50, Acosta 50. There's going to be a runoff. Matto versus Seltzer. Seltzer took 70% of the vote. But I would say he missed a fuel. Super Bowl 54 contender Nick Bosa followed a private Instagram account that jokes about Kobe Bryant's death. And guess who grabbed it? The race hustler racist, Jamela Hill. Nick Bosa continues to show exactly who he is. I asked the question before. Is there nothing wrong with who he's following and what he's liking on social media? Then why is he so secretive? Stephen Miller. I'm guessing he's locked down on social media because media vampires like you keep ruin, ruin, keep trying to ruin him. George Schuster. Gotta find something to be offended by. And it's a slow news day. He follows an account that posted a photo of which he didn't like. Or shares. But he's responsible. Mo Riley. Maybe it's because people like Jamel. Just a thought. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. This shit. They went in. They are fucking horrible people. Need more proof? He missed another one. Casey Hunt. Wow. I had gold status on Delta as of yesterday. When I had to wait five minutes on hold to adjust a flight. Today, February 1st, I dropped to zero status for the first time in a decade. Thanks, Trump, for keeping me in D.C. Hold time, two hours, 16 minutes. Journos, the Constitution has been dissolved. We lived under a monarchy, and Trump is trampling the First Amendment and persecuting journos. Also journos, I lost my diamond flight status and can't get free champagne in the lounge anymore. Journos spent years telling coal miners in West Virginia to learn to code. Bitch about not getting treated like God, having the red carpet rolled out for them when they book a flight. Call Trump supporters hillbillies, and then wonder why the public has so much disdain for them. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> and here's why. Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib boos Hillary Clinton at Bernie Sanders' campaign. Near <laughs> Neera and grabbed it. What I love about incidents like this, the booing of Hillary at a Sanders rally is an example after example of white male rage and misogyny. The entire world said Rashida Tlaib's a white male.
6: This week when someone by the name of Hillary Clinton said that nobody, we're not going to boo, we're not going to boo, we're classy here. No, we're no classy. I'll
16: Boo. Boo.
0: You all know I can't be quiet. No, we're going to boo. That's all right. The haters, the haters will shut up on Monday when we win. There we go. I was going to say a hater.
2: So why do I cover that? When a Republican disparages another Republican, it's front page news. I didn't see this anywhere. She was then allowed to do this. My statement regarding last night, I'm so incredibly in love with the movement that our campaign of Not Me, Us has created. This makes me protective over it and frustrated by attempts to dismiss the strength and diversity of our movement. However, I know that what is at stake, if we don't unify over one candidate to beat Trump... And I intend to do everything possible to ensure that Trump does not win in 2020. In, the, in this instance, I allowed my disappointment with Secretary Clinton's la- latest comment about Senator Sanders and his supporters to get the best of me. You all, my sister in service on stage, our movement deserves better. I will continue to strive to come from a place of love and not react in the same way of those who are against what we are building in this country. This is about a building a just and equitable future for my two boys, children across the country, And Fuster Generations. And people said, yeah, you got scolded. You got scolded. Then the big media thing, because Bernie is winning, the CNN and Seltzer and Company Des Moines Register partners for a poll and cancels the release of the last poll. New York Times For breaking news, Bernie Sanders has opened up a lead in Iowa in the race for the Democratic presidential nomination. A New York Times-Siena College poll of likely caucus-goers found. And that's why they didn't, which brought Britt Hume. There's usually a fresh Des Moines Register poll out on Sunday before the caucuses. It'll be interesting if it matches the results below. If so, there'll be sweaty palms among establishment Democrats. And here we go again. A party who has spent three, four years saying that the Republicans steal elections, we want to redo the fucking Constitution and get rid of the Electoral College, is rigging another election, and when they find that the polls aren't going the way they want them, they bury them. That's our media. Simultaneously, NBC breaks out. John Kerry, one of Biden's high-profile endorsers, overheard Sunday on a phone at Des Moines Hotel, explaining what he would have to do to enter the presidential race amid the possibility of Bernie Sanders taking down the Democratic Party. There you go. There you go. That's our media. He denied it and said it's not there. But it is. Because their lead candidate, the guy they want is embroiled in another Hillary scandal and sounds like this while he's campaigning.
12: Senate. has it occurred to you that there's a certain irony here that here the president is accused of and has acknowledged wanting to uh, get information about your son Hunter and his dealings with Ukraine and this process of impeachment has ensured that everyone knows about Hunter's dealings with Ukraine that's a so-
3: good thing, and no one's found anything wrong with his dealings with Ukraine except they say it sets a bad image
12: well do you agree that it sets a bad yeah. image?
3: and my son said that
12: do you think it was wrong for him to take that position no. knowing that it was Really because but that it, company it, wanted access to you.
3: Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that?
12: Well, don't who you said think that? that? Don't you think that it's just one of those things where people think, well, that seems kind of sleazy. Why would he have that job if not for his who his father was?
3: Because he's a very bright guy. I
12: guess the question I'm kind of asking is, appearance. was it right?
3: His appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said he regretted having done it. Yeah. Speaks for himself. He's a grown man. you going to predict a win tomorrow night? I don't predict wins because I'm superstitious, but I predict we'll do very well.
2: A media that hasn't even researched the whole Ukrainian thing, and he can't handle a question from them. He can't handle just a basic question. Because you know why? He's on tape saying he forced them to fire the very... Prosecutor who was supposed to be cleaning up the corruption that they keep talking about. That's our media. She actually did a giant right job and asked a question. And so you understand, comfortably smug, the Biden campaign got smug, locked up until the Iowa caucuses start tonight. What happened? We've determined that this account violated the Twitter rules. You may not engage in the targeting harassment of someone or incite other people to do so. His tweet, where's Hunter? Fat? With links to his son. And Twitter got involved. So once again, we have a media establishment trying to fucking rig another election for the DNC. But we're told the Constitution's being trampled. We're, ta- we're saying Trump is a dictator. Oh really? Really? No music break because we're long today. We're gonna go straight into news of social media nuggets and no military corner. So it's time for some college crazy.
15: Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local?
0: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
6: Today, what stage during a pregnancy do you think it's okay f- to have abortions? First,
0: second, or third trimester? What do you guys think?
6: Hey,
17: what, hey, what was that, 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 that for?
11: What doing? are you doing? You can't. That's assault.
17: What, why'd you grab it? Why'd you Buddy, throw it?
11: Get back here! Come here.
17: F-ing
2: coward. That is a man ripping bullshit ultrasound flyer out of the porter's hand mid-interview. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. I watched Unplanned. UVA alumnus calls out cult-like groupthink promoting partisan agenda. Surprising. UC Berkeley, xenophobia is common reaction to the coronavirus. I was going to do a section on today. I'll wait for the next podcast because you will not believe the shit that's coming out. I mean, body bags. They're spraying people coming off planes. It is killing people. But it's Xenophobia. Um, according to multiple screenshot captured and posted online, a now-deleted Instagram post by UC Berkeley University Health Service listed common reaction to the coronavirus, which the World Health Organization declared Thursday as a global health emergency. Please recognize that experiencing any of these can be normal reactions, and it's over the next few days or weeks you may. Experience periods of anxiety, worry, panic, feeling helplessness, social media or social withdrawal, difficulty concentrating and sleeping, hypervigilance to your health and body, anger and xenophobia, fears about interacting with those who might be from Asia, and guilt about those feelings. The school has since acknowledged that it removed the post in a statement to CBS News. The post has been taken down to regret any misunderstandings it may have caused. The same university-run Instagram account later shared the following statement. We apologize for our recent post on managing anxiety about coronavirus. We regret any, we regret any misunderstanding. Here's the deal. You're going to make some fucking kid feel guilty that they don't want to go hang out with somebody who just got off a plane for fucking China when that's the exact fucking thing they should do. Shaming them into death. You fucking liberals. KU students demand barf bags on Monday after Super Bowl. University of Kansas Student Senate voted on a resolution calling on the Chancellor to cancel class on Monday after the Super Bowl. Or at least scatter bags around the campus for students who have to go to class after a long night of partying and drinking. While introducing the resolution, one student leader pointed out that 75% of the students at KU are inclined to root for Kansas City as they take on San Francisco. According to the Kansas Star, the resolution cited the health of students. The student body would be woefully neg- negligent of its duty to represent the student body by not advocating for concern for the health of students given by the inevitability of celebrations that may occur should the chiefs emerge victorious. And these are the same kids that push for all this crazy shit. But we want to party and we don't want to go to school. I was only in a couple infantry battalions that actually did that, but yeah, you go kids, that's fine. Antifa vandalizes pro- protester posters released with threatening imagery involving Trump voter conservative group at the Illinois College says a student worker identified herself as an Antifa member is responsible for vandalizing posters. Our posters promote a speech by former Antifa member turned conservative commentator Gabriel Nadelez and speaking event dinner by Turning Point USA founder and president Charlie Kirk. So I went around campus, took down their event posters, and put up opposing political posters of my own, the guy said. The group shared an image of a poster that says the alleged offender hung on the wall in place of a Turning Post poster, which depicted a Trump supporter being held at knife point, along with a caption that read, We beat him before, we'll beat him again. Another image shared by conservative group showed its social media promotions on the poster crossed out, and I love penis stickers covering it. A Reddit page called Antiphaz of Reddit contained an image of one vandalized poster along with the caption, This is how we deal with the alt light on our campus in Illinois. On his post, he said, Oh, I went to posting a poster. A Reddit poster shared by TPUSA reads, How deep am I in here? What are the chances they charge me? What are my options that they do? Acknowledging that it wasn't a smart move. That's fucking fantastic. And then we have what happens every election season. With your tax dollars, Missouri school buses students to Iowa to campaign for Dems. On your dime. Yeah. Time for gay shit. And yeah, SNL was really funny. And J.J. Watts was good. It's our lighter fare today. I, you know, I did watch the intro and I don't watch Weekend Update because it's all po- politics, but they had some funny shit, but one of them, you know, they were going to do Frozen 2. Hey, hey,
9: hey, bow, 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 bow. little pump in a cut. Yeah. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. It's official. Frozen 2 is coming to Digital HD next
11: week. So you can play it for your kids while you drink a margarita in the bathroom. And you can also order the Frozen 2 DVD, including deleted scenes like this one.
16: Hello? Is anyone there? Anna? Kristoff?
9: Olaf? I'm gay? Is anyone there? Elsa! Anna!
6: heard you calling. This enchanted forest is so disorienting. It sure is. I
16: don't know whether we're heading north, south, gay, or west. Did you say gay? No! I'm not anything. You have a fulfilling heterosexual marriage at the age of 18, and I've just spent two whole movies playing with snow. Both are equal and good. And then in Frozen 3, I can just freeze my eggs. Elsa, it's okay.
6: You see? We all know we all know, we've all known since you were a tween. When you dressed as Brianna of tar on three separate Halloweens. I don't care what Disney
16: says. The Twitter storm rages on. The lack of any romantic interest doesn't bother me anyway.
11: Whoa, not sure I'm comfortable with that. If Elsa's gay, she can turn my son gay, right? With her powers... Anyway, check out this next scene featuring a new original song.
8: Anna, Elsa. Oh, Kristoff, you're okay. Physically, yes. Mentally, still not great. This reindeer's my best friend.
6: Oh, my big, strong, hot Shrek. You know what I love most about you, Kristoff?
8: That I'm poor so you can control me?
6: No. No, it's that you're sensitive. Sing your original new song
1: for us, won't you?
8: Anything for you, my love. Big and woke, big and woke I'm a humongous, sensitive old
6: A new kind of prince who's not a creep
8: I won't kiss you while you're asleep
6: He's not a bro, but he's not a cock. He's gentle at first, but he really can Okay,
11: gonna cut that off a little early Don't think anyone screened these deleted scenes But hey, let's see how they dealt with the criticism that Frozen was too white
13: Halt! We're the king's guard We've been trapped in this forest under an evil spell That's right, and we will protect the king at
6: all costs I'm sorry, sir, and you are?
13: Matthias Lieutenant in the Royal Guard. And I'm Jorgen. And I'm cold. at your service.
16: Yeah, you two make sense. I'm trying to wrap my head around the time. You, uh, you live here?
13: Rural Norway in 1840. That's correct. And who do you live with? No one. All alone. In rural Norway. Not shoehorned in in any way.
19: Oh, sure, but when I auditioned to be in the Black Panther Army, that was a firm no.
13: How do you solve a problem like Matthias? How do you make
9: it seem like this makes sense?
13: Why would I come to rural Scandinavia? At least we made this frozen world diverse. Oh, yeah. It's a real rainbow of colors now. (laughs) Problem
11: solved. And hey, see if you can spot how the animators redesigned one of the most iconic Frozen characters.
1: Guys, we need to keep moving. I'm supposed to ride a water
16: horse to an ice island to free a fire spirit or something. I think the plot of this movie might be
6: really (laughs) But But we can't leave without
16: Olaf.
9: Don't worry. (laughs) I'm right here, guys boy, isn't it a beautiful day outside? Whee!
8: Uh, hey, Olaf, what's that second carrot about? Which? This
6: one? I think you know that's not the carrot he's talking about. <laughs> I guess I'm just growing up before your very
9: eyes on
2: Alright, that's it. We're gonna leave Olaf here.
9: What? No hugs for Olaf? You know carrots are good for your vision. Do you want to build a snowman?
13: That thing
8: is thicker than a Coke
13: can. Uh Uh-oh, I
2: love carrots. All
8: right, we're just going to end it there. Frozen 2 on digital
11: HD and DVD. Tell your kids we're sorry.
2: Yeah, not funny. Sesame Street teaches kids the letters LGBTQ with a cross-dressing actor. Yes, that guy that went to the red carpet with the gown. The black guy? Yeah. Mr. Rogers talking to us about our day, our adorning Ernie singing about his rubber ducky on Sesame Street. But for LGBTQ XYZ movement, children programming is just another opportunity to teach kids all the ways that it is homosexual transgender day in the fucking neighborhood. In recent years, children public television has premiered a gay... Marriage, on author sang about two dads. We covered it. Grover in a purple dress on Sesame Street. But apparently having a Muppet go transvestite for a day just wasn't inclusive enough. On January 30th, the creators of Sesame Street announced on social media that cross-dressing activist Billy Porter, star of show Pose, will appear on season 51. He's the one that roared that ridiculous black dress. The man does not exactly have the creativity of David Bowie or Culture Club and gender bending. With the pictures on Sesame Street social media or any indication, Porter wears a depressing black woman's gown when he visits the puppets on Sesame Street. While the show will not pre- premiere until the spring, we can presume that the creator expects to children to respond to this being normal, not comical, or silly. Yeah. That's great. Then you have Elizabeth Warren, who says the following to pander for votes.
0: Over and over, for my secretary of education, the first, it has to be someone who's taught in a public school. Hello. And part two, because it came from a young trans person who asked About a welcoming community and I said it starts with a secretary of education who has a lot to do with where we spend our money with what gets advanced in our public schools with what the standards are and I said I'm going to have a secretary of education that this young trans person interviews on my behalf and only if this person believes that our secretary or secretary of education nominee is who is committed to creating a welcoming environment, a safe environment, and a full educational curriculum for everyone, will that person actually be advanced to be secretary of education?
2: Yeah, you just ensured you're not going to get elected. I'm just throwing it out there. It, it, it would be no different than anything else. If you're going to say all my Serious positions need to go through some social cause, whether it be Christian, whether it be gay. You're not serious. You're just not a serious candidate. But Starbucks is serious. Here's their latest trainee commercial that I guess is in Britain where they get his name right and it's so important.
19: Gemma?
15: Gemma. How And what's your name?
9: It's James.
15: James?
2: this is our country. The crazy shit we do for this greed class is supposedly treated so poorly, hunted down the street and killed. Tanzania is targeting gays and cutting them off from healthcare because of the AIDS. So, tell me again how bad it is. I mean, we try to make things bad with stories like this. Donald Trump made Katie Tour as the bitch with the tranny dad Lachelle Markley in a Swan Suspect's book, Sinking in the Swamp How Trump Minions and Misfits poised, Poison Washington, kills herself as an eyewitness account of how the Trump administration brought an unprecedented awfulness and he supposedly said, she's a bitch, god her tranny dad's a freak who hasn't said that about her dad she wouldn't even talk to her dad, she cut him off because he became tranny but okay and once again, they're aggrieved. Trans icon Marsha P. Johnson to receive park named in her honor. There ain't no park for fucking firefighters or any of the individual accolades in New York, but we're gonna do a tranny. Marsha P. Par- P. Johnson, a notable trans activist in LGBTQ history that none of us have ever heard for, because she was in the Stonewall uprising that only Obama spoke to because he was pandering. The park is currently known as the East River State Park, and will now be the first in New York to be named for an openly gay person. New York State is a progressive capital of the nation, and while we are with it, winning the legal battle for justice for the community in many ways, we're losing it in the broader war for equality. Cuomo went on to say the attacks against minorities like african Americans, Jewish people, Muslims, and LGBTQ people that are motivated by fear and intolerance are on the rise. Yeah, they are in your city where Jews get the shit kicked out of them. We're fighting back and we will continue achieving progress and showing the rest of the nation the way forward. The News of the Park Naming joins an announcement from last year that Johnson and fellow activist Sylvia Rivera, with whom she confounded Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which advocates for homeless youth, would be the subject of a monument set in Manhattan. The permanent monuments will be a first in the world dedicated to trans women. But, there's positive, South Dakota just passed a bill that would jail doctors for treating transgender youth. Youth! That's what it says. Watch, this bill's gonna be twisted. House Bill 1057 may be the worst of any anti-LGBTQ bill introduced in the session, but it isn't the only one. A separate bill filed yesterday would prohibit the state from enforcing, endorsing, or favoring policies to prevent discrimination against LGBTQ people. 1057 would make a crime for doctors to prescribe puberty-blocking medications or offer any type of gender confirmation care. Gender transition. It's not Confirmation. To a transgender minder under the age of 16, doctors could get up to a year in prison and fine $2,000 for following current medical standards. The bill also defines sex as the biological state of being female or male based on sex organs, chromosomes, and endogenes, hormone profiles. Well, you know, if you care about kids, I think you have to prioritize them, Deutsch said discussing the bill that would ban gender-affirming medical care for transgendered youth. He called gender-affirming medical care the mutilation of our children. I don't care if it's doctor, I don't care if it's a parent. Fred Deutsch, the bill sponsor, said these kids on the internet, they share these pictures of themselves that just blow you away of all these surgical scars and it's terrible. That should never be allowed. And he's right. That is a great bill. Once again, pro-life people just want restrictions on the fucking second trimester tranny shit we just want kids to wait until they're old enough to make that decision not have it made for them by liberal activists to everything is racist we have a winner heartland is now racist it's a dog whistle
12: Uh, so I want to read you a, uh, a tweet. A tweet from you, and I'm going to see if I can find it here. I may not be able to find it. They can just put it up. It, you, 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 oh, here it is. Uh, and you, you wrote, you tweeted this. In the face of unprecedented challenges, we need a president whose vision is shaped by the American heartland rather than the ineffective Washington politics we've come to know and expect. I got a lot of texts on that tweet. Not, not positive for people saying heartland. That sounds to a lot of people sort of like a dog whistle for white voters. When you say heartland,
11: who do you mean? I'm talking about a diverse heartland like where I grew up. I'm from a city in the middle of the Midwest that is about 45% non-white, that reflects
2: uh, America in so many ways. This was started online by Andy Richter. And I'll read the article. While it's been a while since we've broken out the handbook of racial code words to add an entry, it's weird because this time the code word is Heartland, which skews very closely to Paul Ryan's racist use of breadbasket, but sits in the opposition to Chris Matthews' entry, urban. Now Heartland can take its rightful place among those two, as well as crime, chair, aloof, thanks to Andy Richter. Pete Butleg, in the face of unprecedented challenges, we need a president whose vision was shaped by the American heartland rather than the ineffective Washington policies we've come to know and expect. Disqualified. Andy Richter, you know this is a dog whistle, right? I'm from this supposed heartland, and in a political context, the heartland does not mean not Washington. It means a place where the white people run things. And if he doesn't know that he's far too naive to be president... And for those who are pointing about out that President Obama used the word heartland, yes, the genius political communicator, first black president using coded language against itself to assuage the fears of nervous white voters, is exactly the same thing as today's tweet. So, heartland, you're a racist. If you say heartland, I didn't remember breadbasket. That's a new one, but... We'll cover it on the next show. Then Sean King goes after Biden for being a racist piece of shit. And I gotta read it, because it's blue on blue crime. For nearly 50 years, Joe Biden has publicly pretended to have been a part of the civil rights movement. He's not exaggerating or embellishing. He's creating entirely fictional storyline to impress white liberals and connect with black voters. It must be confronted, a thread. When running for office, Joe Biden does not just have the gaffes or embellishments. He creates widely fictional stories about his life and work that simply are not true. These are lies, and he tells them to get votes and build a rep he has not earned. Just three weeks ago, Biden lied to say he protested the Vietnam War. In 87, he had to admit and apologize that he never protested it. Here he admits that during the war, he wore sports coats and hated flak jackets and tie-dye t-shirts. I've counted 31 times from 1975 until this week that Joe Biden has lied about heading or participating in sit-ins during the civil rights movement. He never participated in a single sit-in. Never. Here he is. He lies to state convention about it. Another time where Joe Biden sat, said it. He sat in and marched and all of that stuff. He did not. He, camp- he campaigned admitted in 1987 that this was not true. But over the last two months, he has started to tell lies just like this again, hoping people forget. Here Joe Biden lied about doing sit-ins in 1960 in Delaware. I spoke to the actual leader here. He was never there. The places he said he sat in did not even have sit-ins. Leaders in Delaware told me these lies are well known there. This is last week in South Carolina. He's in a church, and it's abusive for him to do this. And these are lies, complete fabrications. None of this happened. He must be held accountable for telling these lies. This is last month in Iowa where Joe Biden again began flat out lying about what he did in the civil rights movement. This is not true. He did not do these things. Anything he did here, he already admitted this in 1987. It's not okay. At 12 p.m. today, I'm releasing new information verifying that Joe Biden has been lying this week about marching and protesting. It's stolen valor. Oh, really? Stolen valor. In 1987, after getting caught lying to marching and organizing the civil rights movement, here was Joe Biden said, These are his words. I was not marching. I was not an activist. In Joe and Joe Biden's four hundred page autobiography from two seven, 2007, <clears throat> let me show you the entire section he wrote about this time of civil rights movement. It's all two sentences long. He said he learned about it from newspapers and televisions. Two thousand eight voters have just chosen Barack Obama to be the first black president ever nominated. Here he speaks for twenty minutes in inducing Joe Biden as his VP. He never mentions any work Joe did in the civil rights movement. Biden, who now claims that March protested sad and registered voters of the civil rights movement, does not mention such actions one single time in the speech. It's strange, right? The DNC just nominate Joe Biden to be the vice president. They show a video of his life. He speaks and tells his whole life story. He never once talked about civil rights. The DNC as Hollywood produce a video of his life story of Joe Biden. They don't make one single mention of his worth in the civil rights movement. No sit-ins. No registering voters in 1960. No training at black churches. Imagine this. Barack Obama nominated Joe Biden for the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Obama tells Joe's entire life story. Joe tells his entire life story. Not one single mention of Joe being a freedom fighter in the civil rights movement. For eight entire years of his entire administration, Barack Obama not one single time, Not when they were running for office, not when they were in office, and not now that they're out of office. Did President Obama ever mention Joe Biden doing anything in the civil right movement? No. No, he didn't. Hillary Clinton and him have been lying forever. They've always lied, and you guys will vote for him. Sean King will vote for him, regardless to liberal shit, and (laughs) amazingly, it's involving shit in San Francisco. On down you're the next contestant on Liberal
9: Protesting and trash Why does why do the Democrats lock up Black Lives to put illegal immigrants? Back? I believe Black Lives Matter. So who go, tell go, you go, why are those 50,000 homeless go, veterans? 5, 000 of- okay, so right
12: now at the trash cleanup, we have counter protesters who are being a camera of assaulting one of the
15: members. they were pressed for the assault charges by the police. They got all, and they just started assaulting, they started ignoring the officers. Take a look at this real fast. I'm
12: not going to ask you anything.
2: Alright, that was Scott Pressler and he's cleaning up an area and those were the protesters around her from Antifa screaming and yelling to everything. It's just how they act. Michelle Winning, oh my god this is sick only left to protest a cleanup of human feces and hyperdermic needles in Speaker Pelosi's district. Once again, Scott Pressler being harassed for trying to do what Democrats ignore. It happens. That's how they act. Multiple arrests reported anti-police, anti-MTA fare protest amid acts of subway vandalism. Couldn't get a soundbite of this, but they were going fucking crazy. All because they're against commuting? I I don't fucking know. It's liberal shit. Opera singer who busted through security checkpoint of Mar-a-Lago refuses to make appearance. That was the attack the media kind of ignored. Remember that? Yeah. I wanted to make sure I mentioned it in liberal shit, because it's liberal shit. WHO officials said Thursday morning that the coronavirus has killed nearly 200 people in China, which is a lie. And there are 7,700 cases worldwide. There is estimates of 600,000. As I stated, people getting sprayed, getting off the airplanes. There is a video online of body bags piled up in a hospital. That person was taken to re-education camp, by the way. So the Trump administration made a task force. So Liz Heron reminds us, Huffington Post editor meeting. Everybody's white. Everybody's white in that meeting. So what does CNN politics say? Coronavirus, coronavirus task force, another example of Trump administration's lack of diversity. On Tuesday, Trump tweeted photos of the briefing received on the newer coronavirus spreading out of China. Who are these experts? They're largely the same sort of white men and couple women on the sideline who dominated the Trump administration from the very beginning. And yet, as unsurprising as the diversity conversation in the Trump era has become, it's still worth pointing out from time to time, especially at the country approaches 2020 presidential election. That's because the recent photos of the best expert telegraph the sort of people the administration deems worthy of holding people, holding power, and even being being in close proximity to it. In contrast, President Obama's Ebola task force was much more diverse. We'd say to remember that when you go back to polls, but the Democrats have already rejected all black and Latino candidates, the article says. A.G., there might be some more bigger concerns related to coronavirus than whether somebody's a certain race, gender, or sexual orientation. Yeah. Johnny Five. The greatest day we'll ever see is when we see CNN closing its door true enemy of the people and it's true but the best tweet came from Quintus A. Nonus, Uncommon S-E-N-Z that's his handle mm, look at that diversity other than Don Lemon everybody's white all your anchors are white but that's the first thing they put out that's it gotta get that shit in Ellen Carmichael brings us our next crazy shit. So they've attacked guns in Virginia. They've started a a 1A attack. Now, you you can't talk about elected officials because the First Amendment doesn't apply to you commoners who want to have guns. Listen to this. The state of Virginia will no longer mandate that only doctors can perform abortions, now permitting nurse practitioners and physician assistants to perform abortions. I can understand this ghoulish American obsession with abortion if only the enlightened leftists who promulgate unregulated abortions understood how the rest of the world sees us on this issue. Meanwhile, just over the border in Washington, D.C., city council members are pushing a resolution that would effectively end any health, safety, or sanitation baseline standards for abortion providers. Municipal regulations such as sanitary conditions requirement reporting victims of abuse, functioning sewage systems, administrations of medication, and medical staffing will no longer stand, Students for Life said in a statement. McCormick writes, Senate Bill 733 will remove Virginia requirement that only doctors may perform abortions in order to allow physician assistants and nurse practitioners to do it. The bill retains Virginia requirement that abortionists obtain Informed writing, cons- written consent of the pregnant woman seeking an abortion, but it repeals the requirement to perform an ultrasound and offer the woman an opportunity to see the ultrasound. Senate Bill 733 also lowers the medical standards for abortionists. Facilities that perform five or more first trimester abortions per month will no longer have be classified as hospitals for the purpose of complying with regulations establishing minimum standards for hospitals. Yeah. So, as stated, I watched unplanned. But let's get a refresher.
1: Abby Johnson is in the other room.
15: Here.
16: Our first order of business is to present Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award, Abby Johnson.
6: This is Abby. She's our newest volunteer escort. Abby, this is Cheryl Alessandro. I'd be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. You'll actually be in charge of the abortions at your clinic. I have a chance to make a real difference. No matter what you do for the rest of your life, you're still gonna be a baby killer.
10: The only thing that's changed is you, Abby. Can you even hear yourself talk right now about these procedures? These are little babies.
1: I'm not going to apologize for doing a job that helps women in
6: crisis.
18: There's still a part of me that isn't sure. I
6: know. But the one thing
9: that all experts agree on is that at this stage, the fetus can't feel anything.
6: Sorry to bother you, but they need an extra person in the back room. Are you free?
16: I saw it. And it was like it was twisting and fighting for its life.
7: We commend the souls of these hundreds of children. And Lord, we pray to end abortion.
3: I really appreciate what you've done for us. I'll not forget it.
16: Twenty-two thousand abortions. How do I even comprehend that?
3: Rough day at the office. Did you say that. <laughs> <laughs> what
9: are you doing?
16: It's your dad and me. You are our baby from the moment of conception.
0: We are paying you to be a perfect instrument of corporate policy. We are an abortion
6: provider.
0: I can't be a part of this anymore. Everything that they told
6: us is a lie.
15: Don't underestimate the repercussions of this. You gotta be careful.
9: Rhonda, please! Don't do this! Ronda! Let me tell you what's gonna happen if you walk through that door.
16: Congratulations. You make an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet.
2: That movie broke me down good and proper. I gotta be quite honest. It was, um, shocking. And it's actual footage of an abortion. You see the baby get sucked through and fight to get away from it. You see a woman in a entranceway have a bad reaction, almost bleed to death. But they don't want to call because they don't want the publicity and they don't want ambulances. It's horrible. It's just horrible. And it made me change really my opinion on some of the laws. Now, when we say we want a hospital 30 miles away and you need a admitting physician because these go bad. You're putting a vacuum cleaner with razor blades and devices that chew up bone into a uterus and people get hurt, women get hurt cuz they don't want to use ultrasound. So you're not for sure hitting the baby. And the most amazing thing about all this ultrasound stuff, it's a lie, boys and girls. Planned Parenthood uses the ultrasound for how much they're going to charge you. It's the size of the baby. They do an ultrasound prior to the surgery, so they know how big the baby is. And that's how they scale their fee on how many weeks. If you've never seen the movie, this is not a bunch of bullshit propaganda, as the media tried to say. This is a lady who had two abortions herself. She was a manager, the employee of the year. She was a up-and-comer until she saw a baby get sucked through a fucking vacuum cleaner. And she realized, oh my God, what am I doing? One of the scenes that hit her is that she was in charge of killing 22,000 babies just in her clinic. Which once she broke from it, closed. So all this abortion shit is a lie. It's all a lie. They already do ultrasounds. And amazingly, a lot of women, when you go through it, wanted to see their baby. But Planned Parenthood won't let you see it because they want your money. They want that money. So that's what Unplanned was. It was moving. I cried. My wife cried. It's hard to watch. But all the bullshit that came with it, there's not that much blood, but they did it rated R because the MPAA didn't want that movie to get out. None of the networks would cover the ad. Everybody tried to shut it down, and it still made $26 million. And making more now by people like me who rented it. It's shocking. And once again, I say to go to abbyjohnson.com if you want to find out. It's not what the media is saying. She was Miss Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year. She ran the best clinic. They were chewing babies up like fucking... They didn't even matter until she saw the truth. And the truth is it's murder. So... Quick little hit on climate, and then we're going to take it to wider Affair and a few post things and close this bad boy out. Here is Elizabeth Warren on climate change.
0: I'm a member of Generation Z. I'm 18 years old. I'm a senior at Portsmouth High School here in New Hampshire. Um, and I am moved by um, candidates and elected officials who have committed to achieving 100% clean energy and net-zero carbon pollution um, economy-wide by 2050. Uh, So I wanted to ask you today if you could commit to doing so and how you plan on achieving that starting day one and in your first 100 days as president. Uh, No, I don't want to do this by 2050. I want to do this by 2030. (laughs) That's where we ought to be aiming. I believe our best shot, in fact, I believe our only shot to beat back the effects of climate change and save this planet and save our people is to make the investment on research, development, basic science, applied science, increase by tenfold what we're spending. We've just we we've got to ramp up and ramp up fast. The estimate is it's about a $27 trillion market. It's a really big market coming up. So here's my plan. American taxpayers increase by tenfold what we spend on science, on R&D, and then we say whatever is developed from that research that's been paid for by American taxpayers, you can build it. You don't have to pay a, a, a patent fee. You can build it so long as you build it right here in the United States of America. That'll produce The best estimate is over a million new manufacturing jobs, green manufacturing jobs, good union manufacturing jobs, right here in America. And then we take it around the world. Just so everybody understands this, for every dollar America spends right now marketing our goods around the world, China is spending a $100. So we ramp up what we spend to market this around the world. If we can't sell it, we give it away because we need to fix our problem here at home. But at the end of the day, we're only 20% of the world's problem. So we need to lead the entire world. Paris is the beginning, not the end, of leading the world. We need to lead the world to clean up our planet and save it. So thank you. I'm moved by candidates and elected officials who have committed to achieving 100% clean energy and net zero carbon pollution uh, economy-wide by
12: 2050. And uh, her answer was, that's not soon enough, and we need to get it by
0: 2030. So I think that's really moving and really of her to say. It gives me a lot of hope for the
2: future. They both own the multiple houses that fly around in private jets. That's all I got to say. You're full of fucking shit. You would say anything. Oh, I want it done by tomorrow. Vote for me. I'll say anything. And a late entry came in as I was uh, going to lunch with the wife. It should have been in Everything's Racist. Where are all the white women at? Well, they're woke. They're shelling out $2,500 to hear about how racist they are. Yashar Ali. Why liberal white women pay a lot of money to learn over dinner, they're racist. A growing number of women are paying to confront their privilege and racism at dinners that cost $2,500. This is Race Dinner. A white woman volunteers to host a dinner in her home for seven other white women. Often strangers, perhaps acquaintances. Each dinner costs $2,500, which can be covered by a generous host or divided among guests. A frank discussion is led by co-founder Regina Jackson, who's black, and Sarah Raro, who identifies as Indian America, and she also identifies as a total fucking Nazi piece of shit. They started race, race to dinner to challenge liberal white women to accept their racism Moreover, subconscious. If you did this in a conference room, they'd leave. But wealthy white women have been taught never to leave a dinner table. Rao and Jackson believe white liberal women are the most receptive audience because they're open to changing their behavior. They don't bother with the 53% of white women who voted for Trump. White men, they feel, are similarly a lost cause. White men are never going to change anything. If they were, they would have done it by now. The women who sign up for these dinners are not who most would see as racist. They're well-read, well-meaning. They're mostly Democrat. Some have adopted black children. Many have partners who are people of color. Some have been doing work towards inclusive and diversity for decades. But they acknowledge they also have unchecked biases. They are there because they know they are part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution, said Jesse Campbell Swanson. If you got a hyphen name, you're a douche David Ruiz, but Jackson and Rao have hardly been able to take a break since they started these dinners the spring of 2019. So far, 15 dinners have been held in big cities across the U.S. I hate the confused face emoji, but confused face emoji. Gerald Byer, white men are never going to change anything. Sounds like exactly the right person to teach about racism. <laughs> <laughs> then, a liberal woke but not broke. Yeah. He, uh next guy was uh, Seth Mandel, uh, liberal white women. Let me see the tweet because he's got two pictures, money. And the other one is $2,500 is covered by a generous host or divided among guests. A frank discussion is led by co-founder Regina Jackson, who is black, and Saro Rayo. His statement was pretty much, "Yes, yeah, she's a bad person. Seth Mandel, I'll come over for dinner and give me twenty five hundred dollars and read me out over topic of your choice, no limits. For two fifty, I'll do it. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Then we have our last one, and then we're going to lighter fare. According to Bio on the website, Nancy Joe Sales, the New York Times best-selling author and award-winning journalist, never heard of her. What the bio fails to mention is she's also insane. While a whole lot of people were busy enjoying last night's Super Bowl. Nancy was busy asking questions that no that literally no one else was asking. What is football? What are cheerleaders? How do they connect to misogyny, militarism, and rape culture? Are we allowed to ask these questions today when Americans are enjoying they bread and cheese dishes and beer? Not unless we want to have our throats slit. And the entire world did gifts of people going, What? What is what the fuck does that have to mean? A hundred million people watched it. A hundred million. And a hundred two million if you counted web platforms. So yeah. Yeah, America likes this, even though you don't. And the only reason why you don't is because you're a fucking hater. So, to our light fair two skits that were really funny. The Food Dudes and men products. I thought they were just hilarious.
6: It's happening again. You're drunk, and you're ordering food. Hey, yeah, I'll do
11: the
7: buffalo wings, uh, some calamari, bacon cheeseburger, and uh, maybe some fries. And uh, onion rings, too.
3: And how many people will be dining?
7: Uh, four. Uh-huh.
6: You told her there were four people dining, but it's really just you. Or is it? Introducing Food Dudes, three realistic mannequins that can sit with you when the food gets delivered so no one thinks you're an animal.
0: Room service for four. I guess this was a reasonable order. Plus, Food Dudes
6: are noticeably overweight, so everyone thinks they ordered most of the food.
0: These guys,
19: am I right? What a bunch of slobs.
6: Hold up. I want to see one of them eat. Don't worry. Food dudes are completely motorized, so they can realistically pick up and ingest human food. I'm convinced. They're real guys. (laughs) And best of all, the inside of each food dude is a fully functioning microwave. So when you're alone again, simply open up the mannequin's rear end and enjoy the rest of your meal.
7: Mmm, Piping hot.
6: And Food Dudes can talk, so they're perfect for seamless deliveries.
7: Yeah, I got two large pizzas for Matt. Well, they're not just for me. Dude, come on. Hey, hurry up with that food. We're all splitting. Yeah, the
2: other three of us are starving. Plus, we're noticeably overweight. Wow, I was wrong.
13: Have fun with your diverse friends. (laughs) Thanks, Food Dudes.
6: And Food Dudes are easy to transport in their Food Dude cocoons they're perfect for drive-thrus, too. Yeah, can I get 24 cheeseburgers?
13: And then that all for me. These mannequins are going to have some, too.
3: Excuse me? Dick!
2: Thank
6: you, Daddy. You're creeping
2: me the f*** Food out. Dudes, not for sex. I pride myself
8: on being the best. I go the distance, and I push myself to the limit. But being the best is also about looking your best. And you can't look your best when you have tired, puffy under-eyes. That's
3: why I use Oil of Olay Eye Black.
4: Oil of Olay introduces the only eye black that also reduces puffiness. But it's manly because it comes in a big black tub.
3: My
8: puffy under-eyes used to make me too shy to play football. JJ, what's with the puffy eye back? Now I can stop worrying about fine lines and focus on the offensive line. Yeah, what's up, Puff?
2: Your skin looks amazing. <laughs>
8: With Olay Eye Black, my skin luminosity is off the charts insane. So easy to use, even guys can do it. You just grip it. Rip
2: it, and stick it. Beat the hell out of dark circles with Olay Eye Black. And this isn't gay, right? It's just gay enough. Cool either way. What does that smell? Jack Daniels, gasoline, and a little bit of matcha extract. Matcha water? Green tea. Oh hell yeah!
4: Olay Eye Black is part of our all-new Olay Bro skin line, including Brolay cleansers and scrubs, and now introducing Pore Strip Nose Tape.
8: Just because your nose is shattered doesn't mean it should be covered in blackheads.
4: Oh, my God! Oil of Brolay, available at Sephora and Dick Sporting Goods.
2: Some funny, funny stuff, which brings us to our This Is America. Sadly, I have a whole bunch of stuff today. I got a hot mic with uh, Chuck Todd basically saying um, that this lack of Iowa Register is pretty, pretty bad. I was going to play a media meltdown of the Senate rejecting, but I'm not going to. So I'm going to play all uh, CNN bite. All other networks are propaganda except for them. Chuck and Nancy and Hirono post the realization there wasn't going to be something, and you could tell all along. It doesn't matter. Hirono even says it just doesn't matter. Legally, constitutionally, it doesn't matter. He's guilty. We make the rules, and you know it's it's
8: just fucking pathetic.
2: This is America. Don't catch you slipping. On. <laughs> Got you
9: slipping now. Look what I'm whipping up. No. This is America.
14: don't got you slipping now. don't got you slipping now.
9: It's time for the last cell bite. Like the media say when they on.
8: are fucking living up. This, yeah,
12: this is America in
15: 2019.
12: America. Hey,
8: my area. This
15: my area. I got the strap. So what are the top media takeaways? I mean about how this trial's been covered?
18: Yeah, I think one thing that I'm troubled by is discussing this as if it's kind of a both sides problem. You know, you have a right wing media apparatus, you have a liberal media apparatus, and what you believe depends on where you get your news. I'm not sure that's right. I think we have a propaganda apparatus, and I think we have a media apparatus that is trying to tell the truth and tell the whole story. And what I think is particularly fascinating is how much that right wing propaganda apparatus has become so deeply intertwined with Trumpism that it not only primed the audience for Trump to rise to power, but it's now repeating the kind of Trump Roy Cohn playbook of lie, disseminate misinformation, you know, like the quote that you had up on the screen, you know, Minimize, deny, and essentially project what you're doing onto someone else. And to see how tremendously that effective that has been and to see not only right wing media, but now also Republican senators and Republican politicians also jump on board, it's it's terrifying. And I don't know where we go from there to come up to you know to come to this kind of universal national agreed upon truth.
15: Mm. But do you think Chris Murphy has a point when he says that when the Senator says Look, you know, everybody's afraid of something in this situation. Democrats are afraid of President Trump. Republicans are afraid of what they think is the deep state and a media conspiracy. That, that
18: is a, like, that's real. Murphy's right, isn't he? I think he's absolutely right. But I think when you look at our, which fears are legitimate, to me, Democrats are looking at. You know, we have a president who I, I think it's honestly quite hard to deny has done some serious acts of wrongdoing in office. Um, and then you have Republicans who are essentially fear mongering about this kind of, uh, sort of somewhat invented deep state and liberals that are undermining our values and immigrants who are coming in and we need to build a wall. And they are so much um, trying to win on this politics of, of fear of change. Whereas Democrats are looking at the state of the country and saying, how can we make sure that our republic – maintains its values, how can we make sure that we live out our obligations to our Constitution? Those are two really, really different things and very different motivations. Mm. Yes, both sides fear something. Those fears are not... His name
10: was being repeated often, but we also need to talk about the Mike Bloomberg factor, which is the fact that he's now waiting in the wings, waiting in Super
6: Tuesday.
17: So it's deeply disturbing that on something of such importance to the future of our democracy... A few of my Republican colleagues announced last night they vote against hearing additional evidence. It's clear where the American people stand on the issue. Republican senators who decide to go against the will of the people will have to reckon with it. The result of today's vote is still an open question. But I would note that even in Senator Alexander's statement announcing his opposition to new evidence... He said that it was proven that the President did what he was accused of. He came to the wrong conclusion about hearing evidence in this trial, that's clear. But Senator Alexander, a senior Senate Republican, a retiring member, said out loud that I think most Senate Republicans believe in private. That yes, the President did withhold military assistance to try to get Ukraine to help him in his elections. And yes, the president did interfere with congressional investigations of that misconduct. He said, yes, the president conditioned foreign aid and a White House meeting with an ally at war on the performance of bogus investigations that would help his reelection. Alexander rejected 90% of the argument from the president's counsel that the president did nothing wrong. He acknowledged that the President did something that the Founders feared most. The potential corruption of our national elections by a foreign power. Solicited by none other than our own President. And to hide that gross misconduct, the White House exhausted every legal trick in the book to prevent Congress from investigating. If my Republican colleagues refused to even consider Witnesses and documents in this trial, this country is headed towards the greatest cover-up since Watergate. If my Republican colleagues refuse to even consider witnesses and documents in the trial, what will the President conclude? We all know he'll conclude he can do it again, and Congress can do nothing about it.
7: I'll give it a different try. Um, When this is over think that president trump will be chastened and understand that he's got a congress watching him or will he be emboldened because the senate will have acquitted him
4: well he will not be acquitted you cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial and you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation and and that. I would hope that the the Senators, if it comes to a tie or if there's a question of hearing testimony or receiving documents, would leave it up to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, Republican appointed uh, in a Republican majority court, I would think that they would have confidence in the Chief Justice of the United States. That's really his title. And that's interesting to me that they're afraid Of breaking a tie with the uh, Chief Justice of the United States. Does the President know right from wrong? I don't think so. That's all I can say. Very proud of our legislative agenda, which I'm happy to go through again if you wish. Uh, But I also am very proud of our managers. Uh, We believe that they have been magnificent custodians of the Constitution by dint of their content. Their presentation, their historic perspective, and their tone. They have made us all proud. And I've told our colleagues, they give us a magnificent example to follow. And they do so in the face of the president's team is there to dismantle the Constitution of the United States. And some of them are even lawyers. Imagine that you would say ever of any president, no matter who he or she is, or whatever party. If the president thinks that his or her presidency, in this case his presidency, is good for the country, then any action is justified, including including, encouraging a foreign government to have an impact on our elections, which is exactly what our founders were opposed to. And I don't care what kind of nice little legal constitutional defenses like they came up with.
2: The thing that's so pathetic about it is they knew this is how it's going to end up because this is how the GOPs ended up. Everybody knew. Anybody who pays attention knew this is how it's going to end up. Yet they still did it because it wasn't about impeachment. It was about politics. And Chuck Todd, this is a disaster. That's not a journalist talking. That is a Democrat hat going, oh, this looks so bad. It's so bad. Oh, my God. It's just so bad. Mm, What are we going to do? Think of the children. I tell you, it's just pathetic. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, FOP, podcast, gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry and Stitcher and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and the Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. We're going to go for uh, the next podcast because uh, we don't have football. So we're going to go with uh, 9 February, Year of Our Lord 2020, a Sunday podcast. Give my wife some time to do some crafts and me sometime to put a podcast together. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay warm, dry, cool, whatever it is. The weather's pretty freaky out there. We're going uh, torrential rains to snow to cold. Uh, it, was 60, it was 72 yesterday. It's 55 now and rainy, and tomorrow I'll be in the 40s. So there it is. As always, disconnect from all your devices, and I thank every one of you for listening. Take care.
8: Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and
16: Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.
1: Thank you Lord.